Welcome back to Weekend Movie Bro. <laughs> I'm Jacob. It's <laughs> Ray. Idiot. Actually, it's idiot. Fuck Ray. Fuck whoever that bitch is. It's it's idiot. Um, who and that's you? Magic Mike. Ooh, that this. Yeah, that's Magic Mike. All right. Uh, so, um, how you doing, this, buddy? You okay? No, no, I'm a little, little going, a little crazy here, but that's okay. We are here to do the podcast. What's very quickly one um, before we get started, want to quickly announce that if you want to listen, we are everywhere, so you can totally listen to the podcast anywhere you can find one. We are literally everywhere. Uh, so just want to quickly shout that out in case you want to be an audible listener. This one will have a story where we will be showing pictures and stuff, but there are chapter times linked down below. There's chapter times in every video podcast. So if you just want to jump to that particular story, you totally can, and you can still listen to it without having to watch it all over again. Um, just something I do. My little anal things I do for the channel. And yeah, use the word anal. And after the last movie commentary we just did, that's fitting. Right. Uh, also, these are bi-monthly, or these are monthly podcasts, so we cover the month that we are covering. Like, for instance, these are all July stories. Uh, we covered all June stories last month. Next month, we all August stories yep. and things like that. They come out every two weeks, so uh, just to give you a heads up. This is July Part 1. There is no exact order except for the movie reviews. Those are kind of in the order that the movies come out in. But everything else is basically... Throw them to the wall and hope for the best. <laughs> That's a philosophy here at Weekend Movie Bros. Throw it at a wall and hope for the best. Honestly, truly. Like, is that going to stick? I don't know, but I'll, I'll post it. We'll, we'll see. All right. You want to get you ready to get started? Do you have anything else to add to the intro before we get started? Sorry, I didn't ask. I'll be quiet for the first 20 minutes. Jacob, take it away. All right. I'm sure he'll have like a thought or two and he'll he'll pinch in when he wants to. I don't know what's wrong with my verbiage today. It's bad. <laughs> so we're going to talk about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. This is going to be a non-spoiler review. All these reviews, except for TV shows and stuff, which we'll get to a little bit later, will be non-spoilery because I've only seen it. So it's not fair for me to sit here and spoil the entire movie for someone who does want to see it. I.e. Zachary, that's who wants to see this. Yeah. So let's talk about Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. It's truly although, is a Although when you told me that the flying horse jumped over the train, I was like, that's nuts. Not this movie. <laughs> I'm sure it is a movie. <laughs> My brain's too tired. I want to go find the movie. Jumanji. Not... Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, that was... Oh, that was nice. That was that was a brain that was a brain little moment. Okay, back <laughs> to Mission Impossible, which does have trains, so it's it's relevant to the story. That's why I um, said what I said. <laughs> I I know. I'm just explaining it in case someone didn't know. So, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning is number seven or eight. Which one is it? Seven. Okay, it's number seven in a long-running series, which is the reason why a lot of people don't think it did particularly well at the box office. We'll talk about that a little bit later on, though, um, in the second podcast. I don't think it's in this one yet. And so with Mission Impossible, this one picks up relatively soon after the last one uh, ends. And I didn't like the opening, in my personal opinion. I felt like the first, 
I want to say 20 minutes felt undone. It felt like there was, it was not a completed project that it still needed probably about another like three or four rounds of editing. And that goes into sound and a whole bunch of other stuff, in my personal opinion. Also, the opening does not feel like a, a Mission Impossible movie personally to me whatsoever. That could be that I rewatched all the Mission Impossible movies before going to go see this one because I do enjoy the Mission Impossible movies. I didn't watch the first two. That was a lie. I watched three through six. But, you know, I watched the good ones. You do need to technically watch the first one. It is a very big tie-in to this one. I will put that out there for anybody who does not know. I'm not going to explain why. The villain was quite of a shocker, so I'm not going to say that. They do give it away within the first, like, two minutes of the movie, but it's more fun for that to be revealed. My big takeaway outside of the amazing third act, which I truly did love, and Haley Atwell is truly a breath of this series that was needed. Um, she is such great comedic timing. It's it's like, did not know that one was funny. Honestly, I've never been a big fan of Haley Atwell because of the character that she plays, not so much the actress. I never liked Petty Carter. Petty Carter. What is her name? Can you say it for me? Peggy. Thank you. Carter. I've never Peggy liked her. Petty Carter. That's what she was. Nothing but Petty. <laughs> Always we're dying. No, 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 no. Let's be real here. Jacob doesn't like Peggy Carter because she got in the way of Bucky. That's why he didn't like Peggy. Truly. Honestly. Yeah, that's it. Nope. No other answer. Um, <laughs> either way, I think she she's phenomenal. I think this is the best I've ever seen her. And I've seen her in a few other things as well outside the MCU. But I, I truly think this is where she is the most shining. She is game for everything that's put in front of her, and she handles the emotional scenes as long as well as you know all the action scenes. And she's in quite a bit of the action in this movie. Wherever Tom Cruise goes, she basically goes, which is really fun, and it, it's, it makes it for a fun movie. Um, there's two sequences out. There's the train sequence, and then there's the Rome sequence. That's all I'll say about those two that are particularly well done, and why I would recommend this movie to like a casual viewer. Because you don't technically need to have seen Mission Impossible, the other ones. Mm-hmm. Honestly, there's one particular choice in this movie that if you've never seen a Mission Impossible movie, you wouldn't be mad about. Which is why it makes it hard for me to recommend this movie. Because there is a story choice that they decided to go with that truly it has irked me. And I can't figure out where I stand. I can't rate this movie. I don't know how, like, because the ending is so good. It's one of the best train sequences I've ever seen in my life. It's Uncharted ironically velocity it's uncharted level this is what i wanted nathan drake to be in and so it makes me mad because they did the thing that i thought they're not gonna do and then they fucking did it and that's all i'll say without spoiling anything needless to say ladies and gentlemen it didn't fade to black it did not no it never (laughs) once faded to black It, it does have that going for it um also my expectations for this movie was av like way high I would say if you're going into it and you love Mission Impossible, I would lower those expectations in my opinion. It's just not as strong as some of the other entries in the, in the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it's probably more back with Ghost Protocol and um, yeah, Ghost Protocol Mission Impossible 3 is probably where I would rank it. Um, not sending up with Rogue Nation and Fallout if I had to rank. Some people would flip with you because some people prefer three and four over five and six. Well, if you're that way, then I would say it's not like five and six if you like three and four. I personally think five and six are superior than three and four. I love three. Four is just okay for me, in my personal opinion. Really? Mm-hmm. 
It's the one I go back and watch the most. I think you need to go revisit Rogue Nation. That's where I'm at. <laughs> or Fallout. <laughs> Fallout is still one of the best action movies I think I've ever seen in my life. So, like, it has that going for it. It's just... It, <laughs> there was a murder in that movie that should never have happened. It was criminal. I think we all can agree. Characters should not have been killed off. Instead, they were too good. Instead, he flew off and got his mustache the like, the, the, the CGI'd. I'm hoping for an evil twin. That's where I'm going. <laughs> I'm hoping. And honestly, where this movie goes, I think an evil twin is just right that, around the corner. The corner. <laughs> and I'd be so, accepting of it. So do you, think, do you think it'd be possible to see an evil version of Tom Cruise? No, not that evil twin. Um, <laughs> it's funny, though. It's interesting that you mentioned that because there's like there's like a whole thing. Oh, also, I do want to address that Palm um Kawifia, or Com- I can't say last name. Thank you. Cannot say her last name. Save my life, especially tired Jacob. Cannot say it. Is playing a ripoff of Harley Quinn through and through. That is what her character is. But I think by the third act, I ended up really liking it, even though it truly is like a ripoff of that character. But I I felt like she brought a lot of heart to the role um in a way that you have to you'll see when you like watch the movie she did not connect with me the entire time and her one big action sequence in the movie i did not particularly enjoy either but seeing her as a true villain though was a very interesting experience after just seeing her as mantis in guardian galaxy volume three because there are polar opposite characters in her defense she did play it very well in that regard. It just was a was a. Would you want to see her attempt this again? Yes, I would love to see her in a different role, attempting the crazy maniacness that is this role. And also, I would say because she is playing like a ripoff of Harley Quinn, this is the most Harley Quinn I've ever seen in a live action, like like being as crazy. Because I wouldn't say that Harley Quinn in live action, in my opinion, in the the ones that we've seen so far. She has, they haven't like truly been as crazy, which is why I'm excited for a Lady Gaga. I think that one's going to be as crazy as I'm hoping, as chaotic. Um, insane, one would say. She's not truly insane, but you understand if you're familiar with the character uh, and things. But anyway, that's Mission Impossible. I'm not rating it. Screw, uh, sue me. I don't care. My personal opinion, I don't know. I can't, I can't figure it out. Train sequence is so good, but I have major issues with the story. So it, it, it's all over the place. I think like a seven. Like if I had to put a definitive rating. You don't have to is, if you don't want to. My brain is saying seven for people out there who, who want one. Um, it could change tomorrow, though, to be fair. It could be a nine tomorrow. So that's why. Now, this next movie, however, has a definitive rating, which we'll talk about here in a second. And we're going to talk about Barbie. I'm going to be particularly vague with Barbie. Um, I'm going to mention some some bigger things here. But me and Zach are going to watch it next month. And so because it's going to be just – it's really just right around the corner when we watch it, I want to be pretty vague so he can go in with, you know, as little information outside of the trailers that you know, he has seen. The only uh, thing I know about this movie is the fantastic song by Billie Eilish. Yeah, that the, – the, the, oh, the soundtrack. This, this is one of the best well-made movie-to-soundtrack ratios I've ever seen. Can I just say something real quick before you continue on? For sure. Has this has this not been the year of soundtracks to film? Oh, truly has. It I mean, has. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Transformers: Rise of the Beast. Uh, I'm trying to think of a, a, anybody else here. Barbie, 
uh, uh, who else? Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Yeah, that was okay. Guardians had a great soundtrack. That was an okay soundtrack. I had a good. I had one good song. That was and the then, and then, oh yeah, no, oh yeah, what a good opening, what a great song oh. to open that movie with. Sad, but you know, good. Thanks, Jake, for bringing my mood down. Appreciate it. Uh, if you guys want to know our thoughts and pains regarding Galaxy Volume Three, I'll link it up in the cards for everybody um, during this portion. In case you want to, we do have a review up on the channel. It's part of a bigger podcast, but I'll, I'll link the individual review for anybody out there. Because I feel like we, we did a good time. Okay, back to Barbie. So Barbie obviously stars Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling in the lead roles. I would also say there's some other characters that would also I would classify as leads, but I don't want to get those characters away, especially if Zachary's not really familiar with the entire cast. Yeah, it's um, Barbie, 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 Ken. Barbie, 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 yeah, Ken. Yeah, kind of. Sure. Barbie. Well, <laughs> you'll see. You'll see. And Alan. Um, <laughs> Alan. The true gem. Don't forget Midge. Midge is there. Who's Midge? You'll find out. <laughs> she is there. That's all I'll say. Uh, I, I will say some of the standout actors um, and actresses. Obviously, Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling were spot on. Um, Margaret Robbie, especially by the end, was just everything. Ryan Gosling did that the whole thing. <laughs> I, I, my thing here is, if he gets the Oscar, I think Margaret Robbie deserves the Oscar because I think it's just Ken gets the Oscar. I think it goes against everything this movie is saying in certain ways, <laughs> not every way, but in certain ways. How funny would it be? <laughs> So, like, but I, I think they both deserve it. Um, I think Kate McKinnon, who plays, has a pretty small role in the movie, also does a absolutely phenomenal job with what they, like, I think it was just really well written, really well cast. Greg Gerwig does a phenomenal job with the directing. Once again, trying to be vague here. I thought the story was extremely moving. I will mention to anybody out there who's not seen Barbie, i.e. Zachary, it is very heavy on its messages. The opening is very bold, like, like, okay, the best way I know, and it's, like, in the first, like, two minutes, so, like, it's not really a spoiler. You know the ending, or the middle part of, no, the beginning. It was the beginning of the movie. Charlie's Angels, the 2019 one, where we both looked at each other and said, oh, that's a choice. Okay, well, Barbie does something very similar to that, much better, in my opinion, Good. than Charlie's Angels one. But very similar, like, eerily. None that I'm thinking about similar. Wow. Ooh, what a choice. Um, but... Am I, it's really shocking the first time, but I think I've seen Barbie now three times. And every time I see the opening, I start to like it a little bit more and more. Um, I didn't love it the first time. I, I was like, oh God, is it going to be this movie? I don't know if this movie's going to be good. And then once you actually get to Barbie land, that's all I'll say. It was, it's just like, oh my God, this is everything I've ever wanted in a movie. And, and yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I can really touch on without giving anything away. The journey's really good. I feel like it has a really good beginning, middle, and end. And um, I didn't really see where the story was going either, which was really nice. Um, it tackled some interesting topics and interesting ways that I was not expecting the story to go in. And for mm -hmm. anybody out there who is screaming like it's a male-hating movie or whatever, they didn't stay for the whole movie. They saw the opening and they're like, oh, nope, that's not for me, and walked out. A lot of people walked out of Barbie because of the opening. And if you stay till the end, I think it's really well three-dimensional for everybody involved. I think everybody has a moment to shine, and you just have to wait for that moment to come to see the, the shining moment type of thing. So basically what you're saying is watch the movie. Yeah, it's really well-rounded. It's really <laughs> well-written, uh, really well-directed. 
uh, I've seen every Greta Gerwig movie, and this is by far her best one, which is really hard because I didn't think she'd top Little Women, which was her second movie. But I don't, I don't know how she's going to top Barbie. I, I truly, I don't, I don't know. Um, this what was is your score? Uh, this was a ten, uh, and it, I think I had to see it two or three more times before I can make a definitive answer. But I would say it's probably my top five favorite movies of all time. Once again, had to see it more. There's a certain point in the movie where I'm just like, "Yep, Mel, this is this is perfect." <laughs> it takes a minute, but once it gets there, it, it's like this is this is everything I've ever. It has a little bit of everything for everybody by the end, which is why I said you gotta you gotta go through the whole process. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like it by the end, that's perfectly fine. You know, you have every right to have your own opinion and stuff. But if you don't sit through the whole thing, I just don't think you're giving it the whole, you know, the whole shot. So that's my opinion on Barbie. Uh, we'll have a much bigger discussion, like I said, in September, when we both can talk about it, both react to it, I'm really excited, give that great raw reaction, a little nervous, but I'm excited for it. And um, yeah, okay, let's go ahead and jump into the conversations we can have together. I can speak. Yay. Kind of. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Let me me exit the full screen here so I can look at the topics of of, of topicness. Jacob. Full screen? Do you want me to just switch it over? Yeah, that'd be great. There you go. There you you go. Um, Jacob, what does this mean scrolling across the bottom of our screen? Oh, you mean? I I can start. That's fine. Yes, Um, please. I was like, I have no idea what this is, but you're just like, go for it. Oh, I thought you did. <laughs> no. We had talked a little beforehand, so I, okay. So, um, Mattel, because Barbie did so well, which we'll talk either in the box office report at the end of this, you know, end of the podcast, next podcast, or next month when we talk about, you know, how whenever we do it, Barbie has made a lot of money, is the moral <laughs> of the story. And so, instead of Mattel announcing, because Mattel did an interesting thing with Barbie, they decide not to make multiple contracts, um, sign everybody on for multiple movies. They just said, this is going to be one and done. No one's going to see this. And, you know, it was a fun little, fun right. little thing. Uh, Warner Brothers decide. And instead, actually, it did really well. And now everybody gets a big payday. And so Barbie 2 has not been announced. Um, or a lot of people are saying also Ken should get, you know, a movie and things like that. There's you know, chatter about a lot of different characters in the movie. Would that worry you? No, no. You Once again, once you see Barbie, you understand why there is chatter about it. I don't want to spoil anything, though. Uh, it does work in the, the sense of the, the film. So instead, Mattel decided to announce a Mattel Cinematic Universe where they announced 14 movies. Oh, I do know about this. And um, just just some of the, some of the fun ones that we're just going to I'm just going to, hold on, I'm trying to, okay, we're just going to name off a few here, you know, just going to, and Zachary, mm-hmm. we're going to play a fun game of approve or disapprove with okay. the Pell Cinematic Universe. I think that's the funnest and best way to do this. Can I just first approve or disapprove this whole idea? Oh, yeah, sure, because I'm not really, I don't think this is what Barbie meant to do, yeah. That's kind of where I'm at, especially when you start to hear some of the projects that were announced and some of the ideas. 
before we projects. get before we get into this, I really sure. studios need to know this. Have they not looked at Universal? Have they not looked at Power Rangers? Don't announce your shit this early <laughs> because this is getting now, into territory because you're, you're you're setting well, yourself up for failure. Here's the thing. It was the coined Mattel Cinematic Universe was coined by us as a community of like cinema, cinema We're people. not the brightest people. It's okay. Um, they did not coin it. They just announced 14 movies, all ranging with different budgets. So a lot of these are actually going to get made because a lot of these don't actually are not going to cost like Barbie. Like Barbie costs 150 million. Some of these in here are going to be Barbie level prices, but a lot of them are going to be between the ranges of like 10 to like 30 million, which means if it doesn't do well, it's not really that much money that they're losing. I feel like you should hear the ideas in the stories first because, yeah, no. Um, What's it leading to though? Like when I think nothing. the cinematic that's, universe. That's what I mean. We coined it, but it really. Then just call it the Mattel universe, not the cinematic universe because that's, that's, I'm like, I, I get you. By the way, that. they also call it the MCU. Yep, we are one. It's not synergy. Just gotta <laughs> say it. So first things first. Let's start with number one, the letter B. Mattel owns a certain purple dinosaur named Barney. Barney, um, well, hold on, let me give you the pitch. Is produced by the amazing Daniel Kaluuya, who we adore. Okay. I've heard about this. No. Oh, okay. Uh, it's heard a about it. realistic A twenty four type of movie. That's kind of in a horror film type of vibe of where we're looking at Barbie through a different or Barney through a different lens. This feels more like a biopic of what happened to Barney in the last 20 years. Truly, I I I don't know. Um this I think is... I've seen some movies that want to be Barney horror and they didn't work. So I don't really know if Barney as a horror movie would work. <laughs> Is kind of where I'm at. Also, is Barney killing the children? Like, where are we going with this? I have questions. And if you go far enough, maybe it will be good. But here's what's my, the audience that you're trying to go here's, for? Here's here's my thing. If this has also, the words, the if this if this has the word Jordan Peele in front of it, I'd have more interest in the project. Daniel Kalula does not scream this. Well, okay, so what I have here, um, someone who works at Mattel was talking about it, and they had described it as A24, surrealistic, but they also said, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be darker, it's just going to be unique, more like a being John Malkovich or an adaptation, she says, referencing the 1999 and 2002 Spike Jones films. Could you imagine if they get Spike Jones stuff? That would be an interesting choice, but also unique. I kind of like it, but I also hate it. What's this? What what is this movie? Well, uh, this is all I have for you. But I, I know I that. Have. But that but that's my thing. What is the idea behind this? Because when people think about Barney now, they don't think about the "I love you." They think about the guy that was inside the suit going, "La da da," <laughs> you know. So the one that we're gonna. So I, I agree with you. I think I'm a little. I think I could be persuaded to like a Barney movie. So you know what this sounds on, like Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. On paper, it sounds like a great idea. But it should have a better budget, so we, you know, we but, should but just but get sure, Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That, you know, that's fu- that's factual. 
but and not culture porn, and also probably not just some dendos in the woods, even though there was actually a lot more hearts that movie than I was expecting. That was an interesting movie. You still try to give that movie too much credit. I just have to say, reflection on it was weird. Either way, we're not talking about Wayne the Pooh. He's not owned by Mattel. <laughs> he's Thank owned by God. Disney. Well, yeah. actually, he's not owned by anybody anymore. He's just free copyright. Either way, not important. Moving on. <laughs> Next one is a horrible idea. One of the worst ideas I've ever heard in my entire life. Okay. Polly Pocket. This one made the rounds for two reasons. And that is, the already have writer and director who they thought was going to be their next Greta Gerwig, and I don't know where the fuck they thought that, and that would be Liam Dunham. Right there, that's a hell no to me. <laughs> and then, which makes me kind of sad, because I kind of like the star, and I do think, not Barbie level, but I do think it could be a moderate level success, and that'd be Lily Collins. I think Lily Collins is very charismatic and has built somewhat of an audience from Emily in Paris. In that's the issue, years. though. No, no, I think that would probably be the way that you want to go. I think that's the audience you kind of want to aim for for this is like Emily in Paris type of thing. So it's always been very dramatic and very drama filled. Uh, we do know right away that there is a script already written for the movie um, and that Lena came in and pitched it herself and said that Collins was already on board, that she liked the idea so much. And so, but, so, uh, so, 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 to, so to describe to our uh, the, this new generation of what Polly Pocket is. It, it, it's perfectly there in the title. Her name is Polly, and she fits in your pocket. Um, there is originally when the toys are coming out from Mattel, there are these small shoe-sized little playsets with little with, with little Polly pockets inside, and they'd be like mini playsets. And uh, yes, Jacob. <laughs> Sorry, um, I was gonna hold my hand until he called on me, so you could have continued talking. Uh, it's a family comedy. Mm-hmm. Written by Lena Dunham. Mm -hmm. See, here's the thing. I did like the Birdie movie. But was that because I liked the star more than the film? That's the question. I don't really know. Why don't you, why don't you look up ads and commercials for Polly Pocket and kind of get the feel and idea of... Oh, I know Polly Pocket. I've seen Polly Pocket, the TV show. I've seen Polly Pocket movies. I've seen... I played with Polly Pocket. I know Polly Pocket. That's not the problem here. Leanne Dunham's problem. I think just having her name attached to this at all is going to make this movie not a critical success. Not any type of, like, I don't think there's going to, it's just going to be too controversial. You put her also, on the circuit, there's let, too let, many let, things that are going to come out of it. Lily Collins doesn't scream Polly Pocket to me. See, there's a certain character that I'm thinking of from the TV show, like one of the main characters, that she does scream Polly Pocket to me. It's interesting. I would you like know who screams Polly Pocket to me? Yeah, well, who, who screams Polly Pocket? This is so weird to say this, but JoJo Siwa. I think she'd be a really good Polly Pocket. I think you're Pocket. aiming a little too young, but it's a good it's a good point. Also, I think you're no, – no offense to JoJo Siwa. She's doing the best that she can. But you're also aiming for not – we're looking for what's that right here? <laughs> acting chops. Yep. Okay, we're going to Because no they didn't give her any 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 acting chops in high school musical musical season three. I mean, it was rough watching. That's all I gotta say. Wasn't mad that the Matt fact that you bring a singer before. into a singing show and you not let her sing is kind of crazy. I had to, or dance or anything like nothing. nothing. They didn't give her anything. It's crazy. All right, the next one I actually think could be pretty good. 
but also I hate the word grounded in it. So let's talk about it. Hmm. That what, would be, from Mattel, what from Mattel besides Barbie has Jacob's intent? Anything about something with four wheels that goes around in a loop-de-loop? Yes. Yes, that's exactly what we're going to talk about. And that would be Hot Wheels. Hot Wheels technically has been developed since like 2011 or something like that. But it's officially gained some ground. One, simply because of Barbie, truly. But also <laughs> because of J.J. Abrams. J.J. Abrams came onto the project. He is producing it. I actually think this is a bad idea for J.J. Abrams being a part of this project. I like J.J. Abrams. Nothing against J.J. Abrams. I just don't think he has Hot Wheels in him. I'd actually really like... Um, the lens the, flares, though. Yeah, no, not, not for me. <laughs> uh, he's producing it. I'd actually much prefer if they brought in the people who did The Matrix and did Speed Racer. I think that would be a much Which better... Out? Yeah, I think that would be a much better vibe. Then, I think they like then... much more adult stuff. I don't really think it would work in that regard. But yeah. if they could tone them down, I think it could work with the zaniness of it. But, but here's the thing. You want the people that did Speed Racer to do another movie about cars going in loop-de-loops with special abilities. Here's the thing. Like, one day we should watch Speed Racer as a movie. We really should. Because it does not hold up, like, at all. So they deserve a second chance. The story in Speed Racer is really good. I think we should watch Speed Racer again. That's all I will say. I just know the theme in that movie is really kicking. It really is. And some of the races are really good, even really if they're cool. horribly, horribly, horribly cool. shot nowadays. But that's okay. Um, we have it. The only thing that we really got from it, um, Abrams was talking to Variety about it when all these, you know, got released and stuff. And he said that uh, he is planning on making it really grounded and gritty, which are two words I don't want to hear when I hear Hot Wheels. That's just my personal opinion. I went out of this world. Jacob, oh. you've got Hot Wheels already. It's called Fast and Furious. No. Except the fact no. that you actually see the people in the cars. I, I want, I want, okay, okay, Zachary, you know the discs that we used to have as a child? Accelerators. Um, you want accelerators. Yes. I want it. I, I want fucking wild. I want out of this they world. They do that. I want, but they could. They With could, they want. and the, they could do all they, the, the ah, there's a way to do this, and I think they should. Except the fact that it's animated and move on. Some things no, you just can't translate. I, uh, I will not, and that is just my opinion, and we're just going to move on. However, right. this does get the thumb. I think oh. this is a god I think this actually is a good idea that could work. Yeah, I do think so. Uh racing movies historically don't do well at the box office, so I don't know how well it would do Grand money Rick. wise. Could be reason why they're going more grounded and gritty because they're like we can't afford the big budget of a hot wheels movie but if you didn't like i believe hot wheels could be as big as super mario brothers if you do it correctly whoa hold your no hold your hold your horses there buddy no hold your horses no no comparing super mario brothers to hot wheels no jacob that's a billion dollar picture to some very minute animated films with some moderate success. No, no I, I think it is very possible. Hey, Hot Wheels is one of the top-selling car toys of all time. Moderate success, my ass, bitch. <laughs> I want this to work for you. It does. It will. You it get does. a Hey, you know what? Even if it doesn't work, you still get Hot Wheels this year. You get Unleashed too. I do. I do. It's cute. I want more. So, <laughs> the next one is a Rock'em and Sock'em Robots. We already did this. We already did this. We already did this. It is going to be from Universal. We it will star 
you know, I'll do that last. It's going to be written by Ryan Engel. Okay. Um, there's no script for it at all. And uh, it will be about battling robots. Real uh-huh. Steel does exist. It's yep. a fucking phenomenal movie and it still holds up. Just watched <laughs> it like two years ago. Real Steel is just the ending fight in that movie. It's a good one. It's a good it's a one. great movie. Would recommend if you've never seen it, in my opinion. It's Real Steel. Uh, Plus, I mean, also, it's there's a there's a little bit of a difference. Real Steel had a it had what's the Hugh name? Jackman. Hugh Jackman in it. Good old Wolverine. Keep that in mind for later on. And um, this one will have Ben Diesel. So, you know. <laughs> it's going to tie into Fast and Furious so much. So where are we feeling here? Where, 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 are, we, where are we feeling? Um, mm-hmm. I, got, yeah. I, I, I got my Rock of Stockholm robot movie. It's still you know, good. I just, I, I just realized we didn't really explain what approve or disapprove is. It's too far. So if you don't know, I'm sorry. You're just shit out of luck. Also, if you're audio listeners, you're also shit out of luck. Very sorry. We're disapproving. I disapprove. Thank you. We should probably announce that. Not just finger it. So. <laughs> so. The next one being Magic 8-Ball. <laughs> um. This will be a film adaptation of the Magic 8-Ball and will probably be a PG-13 thriller. Is what they're going with. Um, what is this, like, Final Destination with the Magic 8-Ball? Will I survive? <laughs> I think there's an idea there. A very corny, cheesy idea. I didn't know that one. <laughs> this summer... The balls turn on you. <laughs> All right, moving forward. Uh, Zachary. I, oh, I disapprove that so hard. <laughs> I am actually going to skip this next one just because you have plans to talk about in the future oh. of this podcast. So, because we are going to talk about it later, I'm just, we'll come back around to it mm-hmm. eventually. So, oh, Jacob, thank you for that. I really needed that. That was really I funny. Mean, Technically, I, I didn't do it, but like, you know, did they have anybody attached to that project at all, or no? No, no, nothing. No, we got, good, we got good, nothing. Good, leave it that way. <laughs> we will eventually. Um, just nothing yet. So, uh, the next one is Major Matt Mason. Do you know who this is? No. Okay, so this will star Tom Hanks. Ooh. Um, the writers I don't know, so we're just gonna skip them. But they, there is writers attached. Uh, Hanks will star as Mattel's astronaut action figure from the 1960s who lives and works on the moon. So it's like Barbie on the moon, right? That's the so, thing we're dealing no. with? So they're basically doing Apollo 13 again with Tom Hanks, except this time he's playing an action figure. Interesting. I think more like The Martian, I was hoping. No, 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 no. Definitely more Apollo 13. Uh, so it's going to be boring as shit. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. We'll skip. Uh, the next one, Zachary, get ready to laugh again because it's funny. I don't even have any fucking clue how they could adapt this. I truly don't know. Marcy Kelly must have something straight up her ass because um, here we go. It's Uno. 
Wait, I'm not gonna laugh at this. You have an idea? This There's nothing totally... else. I just, I just have it. I just have Uno. Okay, so think about this for a second. Picture it. I'm trying. Picture it. I'm trying. Jumanji, but with Uno. I don't think it works. No, the city is the board. The city is your area. And the players have to find the numbers corresponding with the color. And if you find a stop sign, that's a veto. You can't move any further. If you find a U-turn, that is a turnaround card. You have to, the cards are within the city. Yes, Jake. Isn't that just Monopoly? <laughs> yes. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I tried. No, 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 you're doing great. You're doing great. You're, you're just doing, you're doing, you're doing something. Um, <laughs> the next one is Wishbone. No <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. What the heck is Wishbone? I have at least I gave descriptions like descriptions. That was the word I was looking for. I'm so sorry. Whatever the fuck I just said. <laughs> so we have Studio Universal. Okay. So uh, clearly the Mattel stuff's being separated between Warner Brothers and Universal. That's the vibe I'm getting here. Oh. Interesting. I don't. I didn't know all of these. So sorry. Oh, what's Wishbone? So the literally Jack Russell Terrier, who becomes famous on PBS in the '90s, will now star in its own family-friendly adventure comedy produced by Dumb and Dumber filmmakers. So it's Cliff for the Bedrock Dog, except the dog is small. Well, yes, but it's also like horny Clifford because Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> And so I guess in that case, Clifford's big. Disapprove. <laughs> but they said family friendly. I don't think Dumb and Dumber is family no. friendly. I don't think you could produce Dumb and Dumber and produce family friendly. You can't. It's just my opinion. Depends you on your family. Move on. <laughs> from being Matchbox. So, Jacob, do you know what Matchbox is? Yeah, it's cars. It's the cheap version of Hot Wheels. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid fuckers. Uh, this will be produced by Skydance, so it'll have a very low budget. Uh, it'll be writers of... Wait, 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 wait. Let me get this straight. So Skydance is producing Matchbox, while J.J. Abrams is producing Hot Wheels? He's yes. separated from his own producing company to do the Hot Wheels movie? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I didn't really think about that. I thought, no, J.J. Abrams is a bad robot. But he, but he corresponds with Skydance. Um, the writer will be David Cogshell. Never heard of that person before in my life. And it's an action movie. It will be based on the legendary toy cars. Legendary, I think, is a bit of an understatement. But you know what? You do you. But you I'm, telling you right, I'm telling you, you right now. I'm telling you right now. You're going to be mad at me. Matchbox will probably be more fun than Hot Wheels. I have a feeling Matchbox will just be a better movie because I won't be pissed off the whole time because it's not actually Hot Wheels. That's just my opinion. This next one. Oh, this one's inventive. So, Zachary, we have three more left. Um, the other two, I really have no fucking idea what they are, so that's going to be a fun little journey for us. This one be Thomas and Friends. Now, like Thomas the Tank Engine? Yeah, Thomas Tank Engine. Now, the, the thing here, this is why shit gets a little interesting, okay? It would be the director. So, they got Mark Foster to come in and do this. Mark so this Foster is going to make me cry. That's cool. Is World War Z. 
and Monster Ball, which is an interesting choice to shout out, just my opinion, will helm a fantasy film based on the children's animated train series. If you guys don't also know, Mark Foster directed Christopher Robin and Finding Neverland. Really? Yes. Huh. So this movie will make us cry. Damn, Christopher Robin? Yeah. Yeah, that could be pretty good. Yeah. Depending on how they do the Thomas and Yes. Train, I like think I it could be really... It's fancy, so I'm assuming it's actually going to be talking train. That, oh, that for sure. Be... They have to be talking train. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't really sure if I was supporting talking train. I'm okay with trains blowing up in an action sequence, but a full-on talking train. One of our favorite movies as a kid was Thomas the Tank Engine and the Magic Railroad. Okay, so the next one would be um, <laughs> Viewmaster. You know what a Viewmaster is, Jake? Uh, no, it's telling me right here. What? Jake, it's this thing. You put it on your face and you click the button. And it, and it and and it spins through pictures, so my guess is some some children find this retro thing called a Viewmaster. They click the button and it transports them into a magical world. See, Zachary's so sweet and kind with his choices. My brain automatically thought, "Oh my God, you're seeing dead people." <laughs> you went horror. I went family. <laughs> Very different, just a little bit. But that's Viewmaster. Yeah. Okay, and then the last one is a true story um, it, from Mattel um, called Christmas Balloon. So there's a little bit of a, a backstory, so let me read, read you what they got here. So not based on a toy, but based on a true story of when Mattel donated toys to help make a young girl's dream come true after she tied her Christmas list to a balloon that was found by a grieving couple who worked with a toy company to fill the girl's wishes. That one sentence. I'm just going to put it out there. There was no periods, no commas, no nothing. <laughs> Fuck me. Mattel looks to produce a family drama drawing from the story, which I think could be kind of cute. I think there there could be something there. I would that say screams I, I, Christmas. Yep. Yeah. My fucking God. Okay, let's move on to the next big story. Because, like... Zachary, you can introduce the next two because you're supposed to talk about this because I was assuming you had information. He did not. He lied. So, uh, I don't know if he lied. I don't know. But I'm just assuming. Let's go here. Okay. I have information. What are you talking about? I have information. About this? I have information about the one thing. But I thought yeah, we we'll, we'll, right. we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. I didn't realize that's what you meant when you said you yeah. had information. Yeah. You weren't very clear on your information having. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to start this off because I have some trailers in here that I think are absolutely incredible. And some trailers in here that I think are absolute duds. What are we talking about? Trailer breakdowns. Thank you for introducing. Continue. Uh, let's get to the worst one of this bunch, shall we? Oh, for sure. That'd be the Exorcist Believer. For sure. <laughs> Good. The idea. So here's my thing. David Gordon Green and uh, his friend. Oh, uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna remember it. I don't even know why I thought about it. <laughs> it's the duo that it's the duo that did uh oh good god Danny McBride. Danny McBride. He is Danny McBride oh. wrote the script for the Exorcist Believer along with the uh, Halloween uh, movies and Danny and David Gordon. I'm making him sure because he wasn't listed on Google. That doesn't mm -hmm. always mean anything. No, he did not. 
He is he not a part of it. David Gordon Green, Peter Stadler, and Scott Teams are the ones that wrote this movie. Well, then maybe it'll be better. Oh, never mind. Never uh, mind. There's eight people that worked on the script, one of them being Danny. And Danny Ryan. McBride. Okay, yeah. so again. He just wasn't a part of the selling aspect on IMDb. He's part of the they, aspect. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so David Gordon Green and Danny McBride are at it again with Universal and Blumhouse doing the retro requel sequel thing with their horror icons. They did it with Halloween. They started off really strong, and then they shit the bed by the end of it. Now we're going into Exorcist, where I think they're going to shit the bed with the beginning, and I think they might have a good ending here. Possibly. I don't know. Here's the big thing with this. Here's my big thing with this movie and this trailer. It looks boring. There was no tension. They didn't really set up the demon very well at all. I think the two little act. I think the two actresses who are playing the daughters look really good. But here's my big thing: they always, in especially with the Halloween movies, they try to make this as big as they can, like really, like in the scope. To me, her walking down the aisle in the church was a little too on the nose. Oh, I kind of like that's why the only moments I really enjoyed. I like the final shots of the trailer. Yeah, yeah. And the black hate, and white. No, I, I hate thought, the black and white. I see. I'm. I liked. I like that because it brings nods back to '60s, '50s horror movies, and I think the shots of the girls look really, really cool and creepy, and they use this for the posters. Um, but I think my favorite part about the trailer is just because it's a moment. Is they're sinking heartbeats. I thought oh. that was really, really neat. And also, I really like the um, the actor playing the dad. I forget his name. Elvis Jones Jr. Yeah, because he's from, he is incredible. Um, I always go back to Hamilton. If you've never seen Hamilton, it's where his career really took off. Was in the, in that show. Go watch it. He's incredible, and he's been incredible in everything he's done ever since. So that's got me for it. But other than that, I have no hope. Blumhouse really needs to pull me over with another trailer for this for me to even remotely even think about it. I I will say this. Also, one. I've never seen The Exorcist, so I also have no affiliation with this movie either. This is two hours and one minute. I don't know how much I feel about that. Um, no talk about another long horror film in here as well, because that that got released. I will say I this. I will say this. I think The Exorcist Believer will be better than The Nun Two. Oh, and that's yeah. not I'm saying gonna... much. No, it's not. It really is. <laughs> um, also, speaking of The Nun Two. Uh, it's trailer, I think, also came out during July. I just didn't feel like talking about it because I hated it so much, and Zach doesn't like the nun, so we just moved on. But interesting enough, a lot of people are talking about how it's getting zero, like it only had one trailer, zero marketing. I think it's because they're getting sued right now by the lead, and I don't think they yeah. want to promote the movie because they're getting sued by the lead. Uh, also, it looks horrible. The nun, the first terrible. one, was it's still one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. And we just watched it not that long ago. Um, me and my fiance did, and I still hated it. And I was like, "See?" And he was like, "Yeah, it's pretty bad. Not as bad as he thought. I made it out to be, but I, I still thought it was bad as I made it out to be." Yeah. Will I see the nun too? Probably, but like, I'm that's, sorry. That's the point. Um, I will also probably end up seeing the Exorcist Believer just because I don't end up finding these movies scary at all. Uh, I like going to see them, see if they could make me scared. But I normally don't find possession movies scary. I actually find them more like funny, comical. And things like, for instance, we just watched the Pope's Exorcist, and I laughed the whole way through that movie. The little kid who gets possessed in that movie sounds like Gollum, and like <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's a time. And that's all I'll say. 
this one I do like when possession movies are rated R. Um, mm-hmm. and they go further. I think there's there's a lot more to them, and they can go a little more deeper. I've never been a big fan of the original Exorcist. I have a lot of respect for it for what it did and what it what it moved. But for me personally, it's not that shocking. Let's let's not be let's not be shocking exactly. Um, for me personally, I I mean it is very scary and it was way above its time, which is the reason why it's still getting it's still held up today. to where it is now. Um, and I love Leslie Odom Jr. Like Zachary said, I just I'm a huge fan. I'm excited to see what they they do when they bring back um, uh, Reagan Bruce. No, no, it's not Reagan. It's her mom. Oh, yeah. Right. I thought that was Reagan. No, Reagan is possibly supposed to be coming back, but not exactly. Um, and was it, he, but, but here's the other crazy thing I when, when, when I think about the Exorcist is that people hate the Exorcist two. Yeah. Though the original Exorcist two, but people love the Exorcist three. Yeah. And so, unlike there with Halloween, this- there is everybody loves Halloween. And then it just stops there. Yeah, I think there's good Halloween movies after Halloween. To most Halloween fans, it kind of stops after the first. I liked Halloween. Halloween 2 was okay. wasn't great. But don't get me started. Halloween 3, what the fuck was that? I mean, it's it's found a cult following nowadays, but it's truly hated I, for a I, long time. I, I, I like Seasons of the Witch. Yeah, that makes sense. Honestly, <laughs> that fits your character really well. Uh, but... I, I enjoyed, like, H2O. I thought that was, like, a fun little corny little, you know, stunt or whatever. But I think that's the thing. I think they just turned really cheesy in things, mm-hmm. uh, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think that's truly what, like, really happened with the Halloween franchise. The actress was always very serious. I mean, yeah. it's always been serious. And I hope there's not a lot of jokes in this movie. That's what I'm worried about. There is not I mean, any. There was just something about the trailer that just didn't work for me. I couldn't really tell you what it is. One, I had no idea I was watching it. I went and saw Oppenheimer, which I'll talk oh, yeah. about. And um, it premiered in front of Oppenheimer. The trailer did, which I thought was a weird choice, but that's where Universal decided to premiere it. And so I was like, like, as so I was walking out, that he's like, oh, the Exorcist Believer trailer dropped online. And I was like, yep, je- yep, I saw that. <laughs> and, and he texted me, how did you see that? It's not even out for like two minutes. I saw it in theaters and I didn't <laughs> like it. <laughs> and you're like, hold on. And you're like, I didn't like it either. <laughs> but also, like, to be honest with you, I didn't like any of David Gordon Green's Halloween movies. Like, I all. still I still watch the first one every now and again. I really like the first one. I I didn't like the first one. I, I feel like the first one, ironically, was lacking in violence, which is part of the reason why Halloween enticed. And the second one was just a little too... <laughs> Evil dies tonight. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good way to put that. <laughs> yeah, because I'll talk I, about three. And then three was a choice. <laughs> um, what a movie. When you have <laughs> someone else doing the murder instead of your main the character. The concept and idea of Halloween Ends is interesting. The execution of Halloween Ends is the issue. The issue is there was no build up to it. No, it didn't. There, there, there was nothing that felt. There shouldn't have been a time. There should not have been a jump. And then the and then the forced anyway, we're getting into stupid. But yeah, nonsense. I think I think it's imp- it's I, I mean it's somewhat important just because it's David Gordon Green and that is what and David the Gordon forced, Green is known for. Well then the forced final fight at the end of Halloween ends between Laurie and Michael was it just it didn't feel earned. And so I'm like, how are they gonna make 
the the demon of the exorcist a constant threat for three films because you can only exercise something so many times before it goes I don't want to go back in this body anymore. <laughs> you know, you can you only can exercise these two little girls as, as much as their body can handle. Yeah, I, I would be really curious about that as well. Um, Unless Exorcist Part Two, the entire town is is, is demonized. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> and then Part Three, the Pope got it. Da, 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 da. I've already seen that. That's boring. But the town, that's inventive. Evil dies tonight again. <laughs> Take some notes. I'm not gonna lie. You know, I wouldn't mind visiting the town of a full-on exorcist. I would be curious to see what that would look like. Like, how many people came with this? And also, what type of demon are you if you can possess that many people? Because I just watched the movie about a very powerful demon. I won't tell you who, but a very, very powerful. And he could only possess. Have they three described people. the demon in The Exorcist? It's the same demon that possessed Reagan, which wasn't. That wasn't really what scared people, so it wasn't really talked about. There wasn't really a backstory. Here's my the sequels thing. really got into like what the demon was and who the demon was. Here's things extra fans are constantly talking about. Will there be split pea soup in this movie? Otherwise, it's not authentic. That is also kind of true. Just going to say it. It is also kind of true. Also, I want to know how far you can go mm-hmm. in today's audience with younger exorcisms. That is something because like that is what puts the exorcist above so many other films in the same category because of how shocking and how brutal it is to Reagan herself. What they have the little girl do, the whole nine yards. I mean, that's why it's been memed. That's why you know Well, that's also why the conjuring um hit so hard with audiences when the first one came out, is that they're willing to go it, the extra mile with it. They're willing to go the extra mile with the younger kids. And so I think I would hope that they're willing to put that out there and make sure they make it as authentic as they can to The Exorcist. Otherwise, then why call it The Exorcist? I mean, but then again, David Gordon Green, the first Halloween was most known for the death of a child. That was what the first, the reboot Halloween movie was most known for in, like, audiences was the fact of that's not, that's kind of a spoiler, but it's not really a spoiler. He didn't kill the baby. Not the baby. He was like a 13-year-old guy, 13-year-old. Oh, yeah, in the truck. So, like, yeah, I don't know. I also don't love the fact that it looks kind of like a period piece in a way, like a little but bit. Here's here, here here's the other – I think people have brought this up also, is that you just watched Pope's Exorcist, right? I did. We lived that's literally a, like a week that's ago. A, that's an Exorcist movie. How many Exorcist movies do we get a year, roughly? Like four or five? So, so does this movie even have the chance of standing out just because that's a title of the Exorcist in the front of it? Well, I think it does, one, it's doing the bold thing of releasing on October 3rd. Actually, hold on. Make sure you're correct before you say the time. No, I, I do. I have, it's October 13th. I have pulled up. My thing that I was curious about, no. So it's being, it's being put out by um, Universal. Mm-hmm. I would actually raise it. I would move it. Have it, yeah, have it released on the 6th. Move it a week earlier. I don't know what comes out that day, but whatever it is, it, can it was fight. supposed to be Craven the Hunter, but it's not a Craven the Hunter anymore. So it's not it, there. It can it can fight whatever is in its place. I don't really care. Move it the six. Play it on POD on the twenty fourth, just in time for Halloween. But then again, if it's the thirteenth, it might actually hit PVOD for Halloween exactly. 
-hmm. that's very possible because they do a 17 day window there and even if this movie does well i would still put it on yeah for halloween because i think it would blow up you make you'd make more money on the pvov sales than you would in the theater with it being released around halloween time and also like because it will be so in theaters around halloween town you give people the option fear having a scary movie with their friends at home or going to the theater to go see it because most Halloween movies don't get released during Halloween because most people want to watch Halloween movies at home. Yeah. So, you know, it's like a whole thing, you know? And so I, I think in that way, I think there is a way that a lot of people will end up seeing it. And they are greenlit the sequel the scripts written. They were about to film it before everything went on strike. So, you know, they're moving full, you know, even if it doesn't do well, they're moving full forward because Halloween mm-hmm. the to it. did so well, even if, it wasn't really well received. It still did financially well. And so it was good enough backing for uh, David Gordon Reed to get this trilogy. I don't know if it should have been a trilogy. I personally would like to see the ending before I can agree to a sequel. I agree. Opinion. I don't think every movie, every horror, like requel or whatever, needs to be a trilogy. No. It if, just Especially sold- if you're coming off a movie like The Exorcist. Halloween made sense because you're coming off a movie like Halloween. Scream obviously makes sense because it's Scream. These Friday Thirteenth, Nightmare on the Elm Street, yeah. those make Chucky, even Chucky, yeah, they make sense. Well, The Exorcist, it feels like such a standalone idea because again, I made the joke about it earlier, but it's the truth. You can only exercise these two little girls so much, otherwise it's going to get repetitive and boring. No offense to them because they're going through it multiple times, but for us as an audience, we're going to go, yeah, no, you're going to go do this, yada yada, cross the, yeah. I would be curious. I, I. I think that would be one of the most intriguing facts about it that I'm I most think my curious idea to go see. My idea is six then, the town. To see how it elevates. So, actually, I'd say talking about the trailer in depth made me much more interested in the movie than the mm-hmm. actual trailer itself. So, we did more marketing, I would say, for the trailer <laughs> than the trailer. The Exorcist Believer from Blumhouse and Universal coming October 13th to a theater near you. Rated R, directed by David Gordon Green. Yeah, no, we are not. No, no, sorry, won't recommend. Uh, the next one, I'll pick one. Um, okay. We can go back and forth. There's quite a few in here. Let's just jump from one horror to the other. You know, have a good little rounding bout here. Let's talk about Saw X. Saw X. Yeah, yeah. Zachary um, won't go see it. It has to deal with legs. He doesn't like legs stuff. No, it's not that. I, I, I like the Saw franchise. I like it a lot. This looks boring. This does not look like a theater quality film. So. The thing, I think it does look like a theater quality film, in my personal opinion, as someone who had to go sit through Spiral and was very disappointed with Spiral and its traps. This one looks much, much better. This looks like Saw, I agree. But again, it just didn't, we're also going back to. Yeah, but I think that's the smart answer here. If they want to keep Saw relevant, which is what they want to do, and they want to continue doing spinoffs like Spiral, because Spiral ended on a cliffhanger that I was kind of curious to see where they would go next. To be fair, I kind of like the idea that was presented to me. Uh, like that's an interesting little, you know, little thing to do. It just didn't do as well. So I do think this is it. The thing that I want to talk about is that Saw X got a runtime of an hour and fifty-eight minutes, making it the longest Saw movie out, not including like extended cuts on rated, whatever mm-hmm. those. Because um, I think the longest one would be Saw 3. I think it comes in at like two hours or something. Because one of the traps, they showed the whole trap from like beginning to end. Like all six minutes or whatever of it. This one um, will have at least 11 minutes of doing all the other ones. 
Um, for instance, Spiral was an hour and 35. Saw the final chapter, which was the original, you know, the last Jigsaw really, you know, movie or whatever. Because Jigsaw wasn't in Jigsaw. Whatever. Uh, was an hour and 31 minutes type of thing. And so, like, just give you, like, a little perspective here. So, I'm really curious. It's also been proven um, Tobin Bell is the main character, which I think is going to make a lot of people happy. This is the most John Kramer will be on screen in a Saw movie, which mm-hmm. makes me extremely intrigued. And based on the trailer alone, I felt like all the traps look like they're all in one room. Which, which is really interesting. intriguing to me. Um, it has very much like Saw 1 vibes. I think so, the song choice really threw the trailer off for me. I have to re- listen to it again, to be honest with you. But uh, it was really intriguing to me, um, them being all in one room. I won't mind the poster, which a lot of people find not to be very, like, very unsettling. When I heard that, I'll explain what the trap is if you've seen the poster, um, you either have to break all your fingers or um, you get your eyeballs stuck out of your head through vacuums. And I laughed. I audibly laughed at the fact of the eyeballs being sucked out of someone's head through a vacuum. Not the finger part, but like, you know, whatever. Um, but also, you know, I a little weird fact about me. I'm 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 a pretty big brain person. Like I've, I'm pretty sure in a different life I'm a brain surgeon. Definitely not in this life, but in a different life. Uh, He's really undermining this, folks. He is brain. We we won't have but that's all I'll say. Um, so the idea of someone having to do brain surgery on themselves also is extremely intriguing to me. So mm-hmm. uh, I will be seeing this. I'm hoping to take a friend. Uh, that was one of the things I missed the most about seeing Spiral when Spiral came out. I really wish I would have saw it with somebody. And so I think I can convince Dad to go see it. So I think I'll put Dad through it. Thank God. And if not, I'll have Zachary. It's all good. Also, for instance, speaking of this, like, you know, getting ready for, like, Halloween and stuff. This comes out September 29th, the end of September, not even in October. Um, it should run till you know, Halloween. But I have a feeling they're hoping to play it out. Lionsgate's hoping to play it out before then just kind of like Exodus. Mm-hmm. To have it on PBOD for you to be able to rent or buy before. Um, and I do feel like a lot of people will rent it. Oh, yeah. For sure. I think it will be a very big Halloween movie. I will say, after saying all that, it is pretty cool seeing the words Saw and Exorcist back in the theater for the Halloween season. I think that's a really cool way to get people back in the theater for Halloween if you want to. Mm. Halloween did it. Saw, Exorcist, Scream. It's like we're living in old old horror. It's cool. You know, Friday 13th was also supposed to be coming out this year, the reboot of that. Um, it obviously didn't make any headway, so it did no, but it was supposed to. Now Jason's still singing. It's going to be turned into a TV show. Yeah, isn't it called Camp Crystal Lake? Is that what it is? I oh. think so. Sorry, that's a little off subject. Um... Or it's Crystal Lake or something. Let me type in TV show. Maybe, maybe that'll help. Crystal Lake is what it's going to be called. Doesn't have a release date. It is a prequel series. So they'll probably prequel. deal with his mom, I'm guessing. But I'm pretty sure it's already done and filmed. No, it deals with Jason. Jason is right here. He's cast and everything. This looks really interesting to me. But if it's a prequel, then wouldn't we be dealing with Jason before he becomes Jason? Somehow I feel like that was a B movie. 
Yeah. Anyway, yeah. speaking of television, let's go to never mind. Really? Okay, the thing I was looking at before was like a fan-made thing. Which uh, do you think? Um, they're planning on bringing back Alice. Really? The original actress. But it still says it's a prequel series to Friday the 13th follows a doomed small town where camp counselors come to die. Uh, Brian Fuller, which is from um, uh, American Horror Story and stuff, is going to be doing it. I like Brian Fuller. That makes me interested. All right. Either way, that's not Anyway, speaking here. of television, let's go to my favorite trailer, which was Loki Season 2. <sighs> what a great trailer. <laughs> this trailer... The way it starts off with Kihi Kwan going, you know what that is? Yeah. You know how to fix that? Yeah. Can you fix it? No. It's just, it's so, and as a, as a multiverse kind of-ish person, it is really cool of them seeing, connecting the Spider-Man multiverse and the Marvel multiverse with how Loki goes, I really like for Marvel fans that they've been really clicking on it, when you when you look at it, it looks a lot like Jeremy Parker does. It looks a lot like it, except in live action, and it looks good. I don't know. I think I think personally for Loki season two, in my opinion, it just sold me again on the show, which is what it needed to do for me personally from someone who was not the biggest fan of the first season. The it just. It reminded me again of why I liked Owen Wilson and Tom Hillison together so much. It just reminded me of good Marvel. It did. I mean, that's, I think, what it was. I think it just reminded me of good Marvel, which is hard to come by. We'll talk about that a little bit. Hillston is just, he, it, honestly, he is the last remaining character of the original trilogy of MCU that's still around and that I still am intrigued to watch. Like, I have lost interest in Chris Hemsworth's Thor. I have lost interest now that the Guardians are done. I don't want anything to do with the Star-Lord stuff. And so, just seeing Loki, again, makes me happy. Getting back into that world again with him, the TVA, Miss Minutes. This has a giant hurdle for itself, but there is nothing we can do about it now. It's shot and filmed. They really can't And to do be fair, we really don't know the answers to any of that hurdle either. Right. Um, so, and that's what also... Well, we'll also see if that hurdle is in the show a lot. Yeah, um, I have been, I've heard that it is in there a lot. The hurdle, um, Jonathan Majors, I'll just say, is in the show a lot, but he is not the only villain running around in um, this season. So they do have that going for it. Yeah. But it's not just going to be focused on that aspect of the show. Needless to say, fantastic trailer. Go watch it if you've not watched it yet. Put you One in the the best trailers Marvel has put out this year. And also, if you're a Disney Plus fan, you you don't have to wait long. You literally watch all of Ahsoka, and then the week after, Loki starts. So it's not like you don't have like a giant break, which is nice. Right. And they'll air at 9 p.m. They're sticking with it, which yeah, I think is a they, good idea. I would like to see it first. I'd like to see them stick with it. I'd like to see them not pull the plug, because I still think they could pull the plug. So let's just wait and see. Not like Ahsoka is definitely air at 9 p.m. I'm talking about with Loki. They could totally be like, oh, that didn't work out and switch it back. So I personally like it. A lot of people a lot of people do not like the time switch. Um, if you're not part of North America, <laughs> essentially. You don't now like I know it. how it feels. Um, but that's only because uh, they're worried about spoilers. So now let's get into the worst TV trailer. 
which was Gen V. It wasn't the worst. I enjoyed Gen V. I was really intrigued by it. Super curious. I like a lot of the actors they chose. Yeah, it helps. Um, and I like a, I like a school setting. This this feels like X Men if it wanted to be rated R, which I'm okay with. I'm perfectly fine with that. I'd rather have the boys season four, but that's yeah. just me. So. For anybody out there who's like, why are we not getting the boys season four? Because that's you know that's important. Why why is it not coming out yet? It's because of this. This right here, you have to have seen Gen V for the boys season four to make sense. Because there's a character going in from Gen V to boys season four that's very integral. That I so they which I personally like. I would personally enjoy if they're putting out spin-offs to have them connected in one way, shape, or form. Yeah. Have them build off of one another. I.e. what Disney Plus tried to do, but The Boys only has two things. Do you so think we'll see anybody from Boys in Gen V? Um, yes. So there's actually going to be supposedly quite a few different characters that are going to be making cameos throughout the seasons. Um, I don't know any of the big names, like like any... Anthony Starr. Yeah, like things like that. I don't know if those people are going to show up. Um, but for instance, like right here at the cast, like Justin Eccles is right there. Um, Soldier Boy, yeah, that makes sense. Then we also have, like, the mayor. I don't want to spoil anything for the boys if you've never seen the show at all. Um, well, Homelander's therapist, or, I mean, a PA person probably show up in the show, probably? Yeah, yeah she was in the trailer as well. Um, there's a few people they shot out directly in the trailer. So we'll just have to, like, really wait and see. But I, I thought I enjoyed it. I also love Life Magic, like, so much. You do. And so seeing it, like, I think the boys could really bring it to life in a really cool way. And so I think that aspect really works for me. I'm going to watch this show, obviously, because I love the boys so much and I want more boys content. So obviously I'm going to watch. And I do agree with a lot of people. I think this is just a way for them to get more raunchy, more sexual. Oh, for sure, because now it's teenagers. And now it's teenagers. But I don't I don't, I don't, don't think I necessarily mind it, though, Like if I'm going to be honest with you. I think people are going to mind it. Not going to lie. And I don't know how many people are going to watch it because I don't know how many people want to watch a teen drama about superheroes. You know, but for the boys' sake, I hope that they build a big enough audience. Mm. That they're willing to give everything a try. Yeah. You know, and my rule is my rule of thumb for anybody out there is always watch the first three episodes. If you're still not connected with anybody in the show or any of the storylines in the first three episodes, more likely in the first it's six episodes, you. you're probably not going to be connected either. It's not worth holding out when there's like a billion TV shows out there you could be watching instead. All right. The next one we can jump on over to. We'll go ahead and jump over to the Marvels, closing out you know the you know, superhero section of the trailer breakdowns. Uh, for the Marvels, uh, official trailer number two. I I enjoyed it. I'm excited for this movie, but I think they're keeping a lot of things close to their chest, and I think that's the more annoying aspect. Also, we're gonna talk about Secret Invasion. There is like this. I don't know what the right word here, but this like veil over the marvels like a shadow mm -hmm. that i don't think was intentional but is now sitting there if you've seen secret invasion you know what we're talking about especially because in the photos that they keep releasing through empire and stuff i do know there's scrolls in the marvels there are but i don't think they're going to address anything that secret invasion addressed with the scrolls which is an interesting choice and it just proves once again that disney plus the people that work on that and work on the movies really need to be more connected in the writers' rooms and things. But overall, I'm excited for the movie. Um, but I was excited for the movie without this trailer, so like it didn't really make a difference for me personally. What about you, Zachary? 
Amon Valani is the main reason I'm seeing this movie. She is the she has been the main reason since the get go. I I really want this movie to do well for Brie because I think she got undermined in her own first solo film because of the hype around her character going into Infinity War. That was not her fault. It was just the way they enacted that around. I also think Captain Marvel had the syndrome of Black Widow, where I think Captain Marvel should have came out first, and then we should have got to Infinity War, not the other way around. That's how I feel about Black, about Black Widow. I think Black Widow would have been a better, more impactful film if it came out before Civil War. Going back to the Marvels, I don't think they've established... They've established Miss Marvel very well. They've established Captain Marvel very well. I still don't know um, the other the 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 the, the, the other I, the other girl. What's her name? Monica. Uh, yeah, Monica. I really wish that in WandaVision we would have seen Monica and Carol have a moment after she would have came back or something because i feel like that's going to drag the movie a lot until by the end like now we're all friends and we'll fight together with with miss marvel being the middle person of like you guys need to work things out when in reality they don't want to work things out so i can kind of see what their relationship's going to be and that's going to make the movie kind of annoying to get to the end i don't i don't necessarily agree with that statement um i'm really intrigued by the relationship that's one of the things that's most intriguing for me personally I think Juan Valani is fucking phenomenal. Miss Marvel is still by far one of the better um, Disney Plus shows, in my opinion, just because of her alone. I mean, mm-hmm. she held that with the, her shoulders. I hate her new costume. I actually don't mind her new costume. Why change it? Uh, well, because they obviously have to. It's a, called progress. It's called progression. You know, the because she barely got to be progressed in the other costume. <laughs> Yeah, that. But uh, also, look at every other Marvel movie ever. Like that's know, basically their definition. Actually, I would say the costume I don't like the least is Carol's. I don't like Carol's new costume. Also, a lot of people why, do. Why I don't? Why? Why go back to the hair? Just stick with the. Just stick with the hawk. Um, I I would say it's probably like a Brie Larson choice. I have a feeling that she probably had chose to keep her hair long. Is my best guess. I love Sam Paris as well. I just watched um, oh Tyrone. They mm-hmm. call him Tyrone. She's fucking phenomenal in that as well. So I think overall the three ladies that they have in front and center are going to be really really good. But the other thing that it, the other thing that aggravates me about the trailers has been that when I think of when I think of Nia DaCosta, the trailers that we're giving us are not Nia DaCosta. This is not the trailers I was expecting to get. I had to agree with that as well, and that was like my big takeaway. I was really excited for Nina Costa to get this gig because Candyman was so, so inventive. Good. Like it was good, but it was so inventive with the camera work and the shots. I mean, the, the museum shot scene. where they're upside down, they're going through the city, but it's like, like with this fog and everything. The ending, how they did the end credits and stuff. I just like the whole thing was very inventive, and I know Nina Costa has come out and said one that it's a Marvel movie. Marvel movies are made in machines. Yeah, they have direct you know, ways that they work and stuff. So I'm really hoping that the movie itself will have more flourishes. But she also talked about how she directed a horror film. She did her, her spin on what she wanted to do for a horror film. And this is her spin on what she wanted to do for like a fun, sprunky like comedy. Like, you know, slapstick comedy. Mm-hmm. Which is, I don't really know if I'd go that route. Not My for issue this. 
with Marvel going comedy again is that it didn't work. Like, full comedy didn't work. And I've heard this is more crazy and more, like, comedic than Floor Love and Thunder was. Is that's what the rumor is going around Tinseltown? And I don't, and they're kind of trying to sell it that way. And I don't think that's a good way to sell a movie. Because I really liked how the Mar, like, the first one was funny. Like, there's a lot of funny moments oh, for in sure. Marvel. But it was still in that great gray space with the. And then the other thing that I think they're going to rely on too much with this movie is that Flarkin cat. I like, I love, I love. I know, but I this, love. but again, this reminds me a lot of like in Captain Marvel. They had the cat there. The cat had funny moments and we moved on. Now I feel like in this movie, they're going to rely too heavily on that cat for comedic timing. And I'm like, well, why? I mean, no, no, I, I'm, I disagree 110% there. I think more cat, more better for me personally. I think the cat was one of the best parts of Captain Marvel. Um, I've gone back and just watched the cat scenes. Nobody else is just just directly the cat scenes. Um, I love Farkin, and I'm excited to see Kitten Farkins, which is a big point of this movie, uh, which I'm I'm curious about. I'm really excited um, to see what that is. I think also another reason why it's not really vibing with us is the villain. It, they've not done a good job to like really set up the story or anything. Um, well, also, that was also they, Captain Marvel's big issue with the first movies that they didn't set up what the villain was going to be in that movie very well at all either. No, I do agree. They didn't really do that very well either. And then I didn't really think it worked out in the movie, which also makes me nervous. That's not going to work out here. Because I think the villain looks like she has like a cool vibe and stuff. Um, and they've talked about how she does use a certain weapon from another villain from within the, well, within the accusers. It's her, um, yeah. It's her, uh, her species and stuff that she's a part of and things. I'm curious why she looks the way she looks as she is a part of the accusers and things. I also really wish that this, that the Guardians could have been involved in this movie a little bit because they're dealing with the Kree and they're dealing with the Skrulls. And we dealt with the Kree Skrull stuff within Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. That was a big thing with the Nova Corps. I hope the Nova Corps maybe is involved in this movie a little bit, maybe. I think that'd be cool to establish the Nova Corps that, that they're still around. They're still dealing with the Kree. That's also a great way to bring in Nova, maybe. So I think I'm asking this movie to do a little. I think I'm asking this movie to do too much at that point. Now, out of curiosity, before we jump off here and we move on to the next one, whichever one you choose next, um, is there a certain? Okay, sorry, my brain thinks it's like eight o'clock at night. It is not eight o'clock at night. Um, sorry. Is there, uh, like, what's a good runtime for you? Where would you put this? Where would you oh, want it to be? After watching Quantum Mania and Guardians of the Galaxy, two ten. Okay, hold on. Two hundred. Two hours or two, two hours, hours? Two hours and ten minutes. Okay, the first one is two hours and three minutes for like reference and things. I'd say about two hours ten minutes. At, at the at the most at the least an hour fifty eight. Let's see where Ant Man in the Quantum Mania. I think Ant Man was at two fifteen. Two hours and four minutes is where Ant Man sat, which I feel like was a pretty good time for like a like a Marvel movie. 
So I'd say um, where Zachary's putting it, I think I'd want it to be over two hours just because I like the I like the idea of it better. Guardians three is the anomaly because it was the end of a trilogy. They're going all out with their characters. That that's why they that's why they got the warranted two and a half hour runtime. I don't think the Marvels is needing a two and a half hour runtime at all. I think that'd be overstaying their welcome. Yeah, I also don't think it's gonna be like as heavy and as impactful as Black Panther is. No. I also don't think it's necessary for the long runtime, whereas I feel like Black Panther I think really did work with that runtime. Completely agree. Quite a bit. Um whereas like I feel like it's gonna be more on the lines of like Doctor Strange, which was about two hours and six minutes, and Thor Love and Thunder, which I really think it's gonna be really tied into like the comedy and the humor and stuff. That makes me so nervous. Which is not my favorite choice in the world. And that was an hour and 58 minutes. So I think exactly where we're putting it currently, I think it's the best spot for it. I have tried so I hard. I would, be, I, would say be, I would be really nervous if it's anywhere above like 210. Yeah. I I try. I have tried so hard to go back watch and watch Thor. I can't get through it. I love the opening to that movie, but I cannot get through the rest of the film. It is so hard to get through. All right, Zachary, what's the next one you want to talk about? I want to save... I think the best trailer of this bunch for last. So we'll talk about Wonka next. All right. What's your I, on Wonka? Wonka looks wonky. Ha 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 ha. Um, the final moments of this trailer have me an absolute glee. I thought it was hilarious. The whole Oompa Loompa thing with, uh, I, it's just, it was funny. I think Chalamet is a good choice for this role, but he's also very static. Which I was, which I found very interesting. His performance is very one note in the trailer. He's very like, "Hello, how you doing? I got a great idea." Like, he's trying to have that essence of Gene, mm-hmm. but he's not there yet. I think another trailer will help me put that over. I think visually, though, you can definitely tell that this is like the 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 production designs that live in Harry Potter people. This looks very vibrant, very colorful, very acoustic. I can't wait to hear the music in this movie because we haven't heard it yet. Yeah. And I know he can sing. And so I'm very excited for all that. This movie, I think, could be a surprise of the year. I really do. I know our mom is really excited for this movie. I know she's excited to take her little sister to see this because this will be your first real iteration into Wonka. Which is exciting, but this also makes me go, want to go back and watch Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory to get ready for it because I love Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory so much. I enjoy moments of the Tim Burton movie, not as a whole. Overall, I enjoy moments, but I think, I think it looks like a lot of fun. I think they're trying to convey that very well. And again, the final scene with Hugh Grant as the Oompa Loompa is like, I can't stop now. You can't make me stop. I have to finish the dance. I, it's just funny. <laughs> So I overall really, really, really enjoyed the trailer. So it's interesting. On one note, there's parts of this I, I thought were really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, some line deliveries I thought were really good. I personally don't mind the Bellboy performance that Zachary's talking about from Timothy Chalamet. One, because it's just a little bit different from what I've seen from him before. I agree with um, that, for sure. Which I, I do like. I think it's a little too exaggerated, in my opinion. Um, I also, I personally don't get Gene, Gene vibes from it. I get more Johnny Depp vibes, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, mostly because I had to put it on musical in school, 
mm-hmm. um, for Willy Wonka and Chocolate Factory. It made me end up hating the absolute shit out of anything <laughs> to do with anything. And I do think that plays like somewhat of a factor in the back of my head of like having to go through this again. I also, I don't necessarily know if I like the idea of an Oompa Loompa being in this movie. So I'm kind of like the opposite effect of Zachary. I like like what they did with Hugh Grant. I think it's funny. It's horrible. I think it's a little weird. I don't really think I like it visually very much. I don't think it's very really pleasant. But I personally, I don't really know if necessary. I don't think it's necessary. Um, I also find it really interesting because he is younger, and this is a very common thing they do with younger audience or younger characters adapting from like older characters that go through very dark like subject matters. Because Wonka mm-hmm. itself is a very dark movie. Dark story. Like, if you look at the actual subject matter involved, if you look at, you know, you take out the bright colors, the candy, the music. And Johnny stuff. Depp's version gets more in line with the darker stories than the Gene Wilder version did. You know, and because, you know, you're trying to tell how this character became that character. Like, that's the whole point of this. At this very moment in time, based on the trailer, um, one, you can already tell it's going to be sad. Mm-hmm. Because it has to be sad. Because, like I said, we have to end up in a certain place. But... I don't know if I necessarily vibe with it directly. I still think it's going to be a fun time in theaters. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if it's my number one choice. Like, the uh, the unless... other reason I'm super excited about this movie is that the directors of Paddington and Paddington 2 is doing this movie. So I've never and, seen Paddington 2. And that, to me, if you've never fucking seen Paddington, go watch Paddington. Make your life better. Go watch that Go watch that bear eat that marmalade and have a great time going down in a bathtub downstairs. It's a beautiful time. Paddington 2 is one of the best sequels ever made. All there is to it. And so with him at the helm of directing this movie, I know the whimsy and the charm will instantly be there. I'm not worried about that for a second. Also, Keegan-Michael Key. I love when he randomly shows him these kind of movies. It makes me excited because I love him in like these in this kind of role. So, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm. you know... um, also, let's see where the strike lands. Uh, and oh, for sure. Over. Because it might not even come out this year. Like, they might end up pushing it completely. Like, it just depends. Wait. We just have to wait and see. In my hope, actually, personally, Alex and Missy Shaw made movies coming up. I actually think they should push Dune I agree. Um, to 2024. Not because I don't think the movie looks ready or anything. I know. I'm sad, well. too. But I think we can tell want, that we're we need the cast. have... But not just the cast. I just don't think they have the money to actually like throw like a really good ad campaign at it. No. And I think if they waited, I think they could have the money to throw the ad campaign. And I'd rather the lackluster ad campaign for Wonka over the amazing ad campaign for Dune. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Wonka would get a sequel, so I think Wonka, you know, really is for the Oscars and the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. But there's a reason why this movie was made, and I think that can come out with a smaller ad campaign holding oh, for sure do just fine whereas i think i want dune to have the best shot it can to so a lot of people have turned on dune a lot of people don't like dune um, a lot of people don't like the first one anymore it you know it's a different we live in a different world than we did just like two years ago and so i don't have high hopes for dune part two like i did going into this year based on the reception of it and so i think a little bit more time sitting on it i think would be better but we will see. They have. They still have a little bit of time to move it. They do. Um, I don't that's, know, that's, where I, that's, that's my big, that's my most anticipated movie for the rest of the year. Is that movie? Oh, I'm. 
and once again, this is not coming from someone who was like, I'm not looking forward to this. Oh, I know. I'm right there with Zachary. I thought it looks absolutely fucking phenomenal. I love Dune, the first one. But the reception was not great. The reception was not great from both trailers and stuff, which I just find absolutely wild because I just it's thought nuts. it was fucking phenomenal. But maybe this is just not the year for it. And maybe you should wait until, you know, if you can sit on it for a little longer. Maybe it's worth it. So, so now let's get to my second most anticipated movie of this year, which is Killers of the Fucking Flower Moon. Right. Holy shit. So, I'm going to start this. Please do. Just Take me to church. Take me to church. I, I, have one, I have one response. One, uh, so I need to clear the air. So, I did a reaction to this trailer. And in this trailer reaction, I was very nicely corrected in the comments, which I absolutely just... I adore and much prefer people who are kind and the people who are rude. Exactly. And there are several people in the comments who were explaining to me exactly where the song came from. Because to me, I had no idea where the song came from. So to me, it just sounded like an average, like, mm -hmm. microphone. Um, just an average, like, you know. I get what you're going for. Yeah, not like a song that I felt like really fit the tone. I have now seen this trailer uh, 11 <laughs> times. I love it. I fucking adore it. I think one knowing where it came from, the importance of it and stuff, also it just it adds so much to the trailer. But also, like, I kind of really like the vibe it made. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it initially because I just loved that first trailer. I thought the first trailer was just so, so beautiful. So, but here's the funny thing. This is where I know it's going to be a good movie. I went and saw Oppenheimer. I told Zach this story already, but I'll tell you guys because I think it's an, I think it's a funny story. It's also important. I saw Oppenheimer, and, you know, I go and I watch all the trailers before I go see the movie and stuff, and this came on, and this movie three hours and, like, 30 minutes long, and I'm taking my mom to go see this, who does not go see three-hour movies, because she thinks it's going to be, like, one of her favorite movies. I really hope we can find a way for I can go with you guys to go watch this. I want to watch this with you so bad. And, um type of thing and so like just her being like oh, we're gonna be in the theater for like three hours and like it's going to be like four hours we're gonna be sitting in the theater and she's like game she's like yeah okay we'll, we'll do it let's do it and i was like that right there you know i think speaks fates to what this movie can achieve but i watched the trailer and then oppenheimer started and i was like oh fuck okay so i know what movie i'd better be watching right now and that's never a good sign but also it's a great sign for this movie i just thought Everything, the lines, the script, mm -hmm. the cinematography, the directing, the acting, like across the board, it just, I like right now, Barbie is number one, but if there's any movie coming out for the rest of this year that I think could possibly be Barbie, it is Killers of the Flower Moon, in my personal opinion, and I will do everything in my power to see it in theaters. Mm-hmm. I'm I don't know what's in it. It makes me very anxious because I'm. Oh, like, for sure. There's certain things I just don't like seeing in theaters, but I, I will, I will, I will persevere. I will go. This is why you don't doubt DiCaprio, and why am I why am I blanking on this director's name? I feel like it's Scorsese. This is why you don't doubt them. This is why you don't doubt them. Do they occasionally have a bad movie? Does Scorsese have a bad movie now and again? For sure. But when his good movies stick out, they stick out like a fucking sore thumb. The Departed, anybody? One of my favorite movies of all time is with him and DiCaprio. And it just, 
this movie looks raw, intense, real, and gets right to the point. It, it just that trailer, I it just it just puts you in a different mood, and you're just ready to be invested in the world they're gonna put you in because sound design, production, it feels real. There's no CGI to this. It's just it feels just Ugh. Oh, I haven't felt this way since Django Unchained. I am so excited for this movie. I just think I I yeah, I, I just personally think Ugh. it looks amazing. By the way, I looked it up. I was curious what it's rated R for for anybody out there who's also kind of timid about certain things. Maybe you're timid to go see this because it does seem like they're gonna go in certain places. Uh, it's radar for violence, some grisly images in language. I've heard it's extremely violent for anybody out there who mm-hmm. is a, not really one for gore. I've heard it's d- just based on um, the early like you know uh, premieres and stuff like that when they did those. I've heard it's extremely violent, which is not that shocking. You're seeing a Martin Scorsese film, of course, as a movie. It's my opinion, but uh, there is nothing of essay or anything that is. Well, listed. that's good. Which is the only part that made me most nervous about it because it did seem like that's where the story was going and with the type of story and the people that they're telling it about. Oh, for um, sure. You would I felt like that that, that would that be, be in your head. Yeah. Um, and to let everybody know, if you still don't feel comfortable going and watching this particular because how long it is, it will be on Apple TV as well. This is a Apple TV film, but they're putting it in theaters, but it will be on Apple TV, I think, in December. Yeah, I don't actually have a release date for Apple TV, ironically. I just have a release date for theaters, which is October 20th. I mean, very quickly, however... Shut the front door. What? It's October 20th? Yep. Jacob, what also happens on October 20th? I don't know. Spider-Man 2? Oh, that's a video game. That, that That's a great day for you and me. That's what that is. <laughs> no, no, it is. Um... I just requested Ooh. off that weekend. Oh, I see. Okay, hold on. When's it coming on Apple TV? <laughs> I was more looking for the wide date um, for it being it going wide. If it going, if it is going, if wide. it goes, but I'll look up Apple TV. Um, October six is looking like the Apple TV release date. I don't know if I necessarily believe that. Okay, so releasing exclusively in theaters on October six and wide on Friday, October twentieth. Once again, I don't know what that means. That like theaters are getting it on October sixth, and then everybody else gets yes, it on, on the like, 20th. Apple TV is it will be on the twentieth. I can't, I can't figure it out. My brain's tired. Needless to say, if you have a theater that's showing this movie, go watch it in that theater. Do not make your first time with this movie be at home. Oh, okay, okay. Um, before it goes, no, okay. So this is what it is. So it's going to be in a limited release. This is important for anybody out there who wants to go see it. So it's going to be in limited release Friday, October 6th. So if you're in California, New York, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then it will go live in theaters Friday, October 20th for anybody else. So they're going to try to send it to many theaters as they possible. It's going to be yeah. exclusive. It's Paramount. So I feel like it's going to be pretty much almost anybody will probably end up getting it. If they oh, for sure. Yeah. And then it will debut later on this year. Uh, there is no direct date yet for the Apple TV release date. Once again, I do agree with Zachary. I feel like it'll probably be around Christmas time or Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I actually have to say Thanksgiving is probably a pretty good date for that. Thanksgiving feels like a better release yeah. for this than Christmas does. Yeah, so I, w- I would say, so anybody out there who's wondering, it already has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. And things, I'm just saying, uh, 
Just saying. I will if 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 my theater doesn't get it, but the AMC close to me gets it gets it in Westchester. You know I'm going to be there. Aww. That's what? a beautiful critic consensus for the movie. Please read. Enormous in runtime, theme, and achievement, Killers of the Flower Moon is a sobering appraisal of America's relationship with indigenous people and yet another artistic zenith for Martin Sozzi and his collaborators. If that doesn't make you excited, I don't know what does. By the way, can we talk about this for a second? Was this on your radar at all, going into the year at all? I knew he had a movie coming out. Martin Scorsese specifically. Mm -hmm. I knew he had a movie. I had no idea what it was about. Um, My raw reaction to the initial trailer is a raw like reaction. I had no idea. I was randomly, I was randomly on YouTube and I saw this trailer with Leonardo DiCaprio. I was like, "Well, I'll give this a whirl." And now uh, here we are. (laughs) Yeah, I had um, no idea. Um, And personally, I was not excited when they announced they had another movie coming out because his last few were just not for me personally. I didn't vibe with them. Irishman in particular was really rough to get through. I didn't. I don't even think I finished it. I think I got the idea of that movie is just oh, it's so. Oh, the idea of that movie is so good. I well, wish it was you know, better. But with, you know, with that being said, uh, as soon as I saw the trailer, mm-hmm. I was I was hooked. That's all. That's I all mean, it took. The final line. Can you see the wolves in the sheep's clothing or something? Or those lines? It's or or the line of like, I love your skin. What color is that? And it's my skin or something. It's just. Line after line after line, and then the first trailer when the violence does happen, when the movie changes, and the, it the tone, shooks me, it shook me too. I was like, Oh, we're going here. Okay, when he gets shot in the back, I'm just like, Okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah, so all right, we got to move on though. We've been on this for a hot minute. Let's go ahead and let Zachary. It's my favorite trailer of the it's my favorite trailer of the month is Killers of the Flower Moon. What's Zachary gush about his? Oh, my God. Okay. So, where to begin? So, my adventures with Superman and why you should watch it. This show is not getting the is not getting the flowers it deserves. This show is not getting the credit it deserves. Every Friday, it drops on Max, but it also is on H is also on Adult Swim for some odd reason. And I now, now I know why. Because if you did not know, I don't know if you know this, Jake. Uh, Cartoon Network is shutting down in, yeah. uh, in uh, this month. They are they're shutting down their studio, and I cried when I learned that. I'm really sad. That's an end of an era for me. It's an end of an era for you. A lot of our childhood was that network. Um, but yeah. so my biggest issue with DC and their usage of Superman is that it is not felt like Superman. He has not been the man that cares about and stands for something. He has not been that push of liberty. He wants to be there and help people. He doesn't want to, he just, he's he's human without being human and he shows it very well. And also the relationship between him and Lois Lane, I don't think can be understated. This is why I think James Gunn is doing a good job when it comes to Superman and that Lois Lane and Clark Kent have to be integral casting. They are as important as as casting your Bruce Wayne, your Lex Luthor. You need them because if they don't work as a couple, 
then Superman doesn't work as a whole because Lois Lane is his crux to Earth. That is what brings him to Earth is this woman. And they absolutely nail their relationship in this show. It is beautifully animated. It is anime-inspired, but also contemporarily feels like an old Bruce Tim cartoon. Jack Quaid as Superman and Clark Kent is just pure. It's so good. He absolutely rocks it. Let me ring up the cast here real quick so I can give everybody their colors here. Um, I have I have told Jacob this for the past. Uh, I, I did bring up the cast, by the way. But uh, this is obviously your your thing. I just wanted to let you know in case. Thank you. I well, I appreciate that. Uh, okay. Uh, Jack Quaid again does a fantastic job as Clark Kent and Superman. He does a, a little thing with his voice that changes his Clark to Superman very quickly and then he's back. He does a very good job with that. Alice Lee as Lois Lane. She is spunky. She is diff she's a different Lois Lane. She's not she So the basis of the story is that this is of the story of Jimmy, Lois, and Clark being interns at Daily Planet. This is them trying to rise in the ranks at the at the office, trying to get in Perry White's good graces. And then all of a sudden, the Superman appears. And then it becomes Lois Lane's main mission to get that interview with the Man of Steel, find out what he is, and publishes it. From, so from Clark's perspective, it's terrifying to him because he is so nervous that the, that the world will look at him and be like, we don't want to deal with that. That's an alien. We don't want to deal with that. He's so scared to tell anybody and that he has to hide this from his two best friends. Ishmael Saheed plays uh, Jimmy Olsen. He is such a good comedic relief in this show. He is awesome. It just, this show is so good. This show is just pure, unadulterated Saturday morning cartoons with Superman. And it is so good to watch a cartoon that gets him. This last episode, uh, episode six, is, you know, our biggest issue with multiverses this year, Jacob, and how we feel like they've been, have not been doing them enough or, like, doing them well. Episode six of My Adventures of Superman is the best multiverse episode of anything I've seen this year. I think it's better than Spider-Man. I think it's better than they nail it. It is so good. So good. Um, I just wanted to let everybody know I, I, I'll be right back uh, to use the restroom. Um, but Zachary can continue gushing, which I know he it will not be uh, be mad about at all. No. Um, it just, this the, I hate the fact that they air this at, at midnight on Fridays. I really wish this could be at like a 9 or a 6 on, on Cartoon Network. But unfortunately, it is not. Uh, we are also coming to the end of this show. Uh, the final episode premieres on the 1st of September. And it's only 10 episodes. It's all on Max. Go watch it, please. I have not been this heavy in promoting a DC property since the Batman back in 2020. Uh, was it last year? Since last year with the Batman. Please, please, I am begging you. Go watch My Adventures with Superman. They got them. They nailed it. And I know that this is not part of the whole idea for um, James Gunn, obviously, because James Cornsweet is playing Superman in live action, and Jack Quaid is playing Superman over here. I just, honestly, Quaid and crew, you you killed it. The it just, 
uh, the uh, the uh, the theme "Up and Away" is so good. It's so good. It is by Kyle Troop and the Heretics. It is fantastic. Uh, "Kiss Kiss Fall in a Portal" is one of my favorite episodes of TV this year. I think they kill it. They kill it. Um, let's see who else can I shout out here. Uh, I will not give away anything besides like the, the main idea and the plot of the story of Superman and Clark finding out who they are and who they want to be on Earth and how that incorrelizes with Lois and Jimmy. Uh, there are some surprise cameos in this show that I did not see coming, and they have let them flourish and take time to build. Just fantastic. I cannot recommend this show enough. Please, please, please. Please, everybody, including the person on screen with me, please, please, please go watch my adventures with Superman. I am not steering you wrong. It is the easiest binge. It is the quickest binge, and you will love yourself by the end of it. This is the best piece of Superman content we have gotten in the past decade, and I'm not afraid to admit that. They have killed it. Absolutely killed it. Huh. <sighs> DC Animation as a whole has been killing it. If you've not seen anything from the Tomorrowverse as well, Superman Man Tomorrow, Batman Long Halloween, League of Super Friends, Green Lantern, Just Society World War II, go watch those, please, because they are all fantastic. There's not a bad one in the bunch. They're all fantastic. So DC Animation, keep up the fantastic work. You're keeping DC strong. We need you. We love you. Good work. That's all I have to say about my mention Superman, why you should watch it. <laughs> it's all my right. favorite show. All right. Well, with that being said, I, I do. it's good that he, he, he had a good note because we're actually going to go into a, a not, a not oh. so good note. Um, so here's the thing. We're going to talk about secret. And we'll need to announce what we're talking about. But who's listening in audio? Remember, you can listen to us on audio. We're everywhere. Um, we are doing Secret Invasion Season 1 spoiler discussion. That does mean if you've never seen Secret Invasion, you have not watched any of the episodes, or you've only watched like three of the episodes, and you're planning on watching the rest. This is a this is the section you want to skip. Um, the next one, in case you're listening to on audio, so you know where to skip to or try to find or whatever, is what's going on with Master Universe. Once again, there are chapter times on YouTube. That you can go into you can get the exact timestamp that you need for the audio on um on youtube so just to give you a heads up in case you're trying to figure out how to surf the audio that's the best <laughs> and easiest way to do it i like that surf the audio find your right way exactly <laughs> exactly very chill unlike, unlike the show. show hey i know so we are gonna be <laughs> That was harsh. I'm getting pissed. So, <laughs> man, that movie really put us on a, on a perturb of jokes, didn't it? Oh, I know, I know what that word means. So, we are here to talk about Secret Invasion. Um, I guess I'll go first. Please uh, do. I guess because I have better, I, I have a better outlook, I guess, on the show than Zachary did. So. I guess that it's good. You're going to hear like pros and cons on both sides. Con, they were too short. Mm -hmm. Con, they didn't know what they were doing in the story. 
Con. They really didn't know what they're doing, Troy. Con. Dude, I thought you were the I thought you were the con. pro in this scenario. Oh, well, we, we will get there. Hold on. We gotta get through some of the con. Con. They um they really didn't know what they were doing with Stork. Con. Yeah, I just gonna keep saying it over and over again because where the fuck? Like, I don't understand how you could have five episodes. I'm gonna go on a rant real fast, and then we'll, we'll get to. The, I do have good things. I did like aspects of this show. Last as did thing, I, but I think the story as a whole was a real mishap. The, here's the thing. I knew I was walking into heart. I, I knew I was walking into dumpster fire when the director had personally said to several articles that Kevin Feige had personally, or people at Marvel, had told him never to touch the source material. Okay, sure. That's fine. Let's see what you have planned. That's, that's, that's normal. That's just, that's great. My thing here is, I don't think it needed to be called Secret Invasion. I think that was my big takeaway. I like the in-depth details about Samuel Jackson. I liked, or Nick Fury, you know, his... His background, getting a little bit more information, a little deeper information. I liked his wife, to be honest with you. I liked Talos until he died, which was a really stupid death um, in retrospect. It also had no impact. Um, I guess the actor really wanted out. Because I think we've talked about this, well, me and Zach have talked about this, but I'll, I'll put my thoughts here on the fact. I think it would be much more impactful for him to become the super, or the super, super scroll. Super scroll in the end and have a fight with um graphics that's where i think it should have went not his daughter mm-hmm. uh i'm a, i'm a, i'm all for revenge okay revenge is my favorite storyline and anything you give me revenge i'll probably watch it it could be the worst thing i've ever seen in my life it has revenge in it it's probably getting a point five just because it has revenge that's literally the answer so i'm for it you know nothing opposed i think amelia clark we'll get to amelia clark <laughs> i, I want to say good things but i also don't really have like the best things to say, but I don't think that's Amelia Clark's fault. Um, I think that's in the aspect of disappointing. But in a non-aspect of disappointing, Olivia Coleman stole every single fucking scene she was in. Doesn't matter who she was working with. Her little like I want that would be a character that I'd love to see pop up again in different aspects of the MCU. Um, I think she is my favorite new character that they've added. In a long time, like in like mm. these like really small like little side roles or whatever, yeah, like Val and things like that. She is. Superior. She reminds me of Coulson, like in just like the the vibe he put with this with with everything. I just absolutely just absolutely loved everything about it. But then you have other parts of it that I think are really weak, such as not giving us a direct time for Rhodey. When did Rhodey become a scroll? And with the director being like, eh, whatever the fans want. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? I think, you know, I think it just reiterates the biggest problem with the MCU at the moment is its fucking timeline. The best part of the MCU was its timeline. Mm-hmm. Going to see an MCU movie means you're going to see an episodic event going in some point in the timeline. Doesn't mean it's directly after the last installment, but you know that you're dealing with the in same... In general, where it's gonna land. <laughs> in general. In general. You have flashbacks, you can have prequels, you can do whatever the fuck you want, but you know, okay, this is somewhere in here, right? No. And also, this had nothing to do with the multiverse story whatsoever, which I personally mean, okay, then don't put it in the multiverse saga. If you don't have anything to do with multiverse, don't do it. I mean, yeah. sure, Infinity... popped up after Endgame. Infinity Saga and things like that, 
like, yeah, like that really weird phase that we were in, I definitely think Secret Invasion would have been much better there. I do agree mm-hmm. with that statement 110%. Oh my god, yes. Oh my mm-hmm. right oh, after, wow. Right after Endgame. No, I don't think right after Endgame. Right after Endgame. No, right, right after. No, right, right after Far From Home. Far From Home. Right after Far the, From Home. Get right. It should have it gone Endgame, Far From Home, WandaVision, and then Secret Invasion. Set up yeah. the scrolls and go into Secret Invasion. Yeah, because like, I, I think... The last time we saw the, the last time we saw the scrolls prior to this was WandaVision at the end of the yeah, 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 no, I know, and that's the reason why it's super duper annoying because once again the Marvels is is also another aspect of the reason why mm-hmm. Secret Vision is just not gonna work out. Because they have too many setups for the end of the season, and you can't say, Oh, that's because we're planning on doing a second season. We want to leave it open for ideas for a second season if we get a second season. Yeah, see, that's the problem that we're having here, Kevin. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm talking to you, Kevin. Um, you keep not that calling you... these things limited series. What do you want to do? Do you want to do seasonal shows? Well, or do no. you want to do a one-thing-and-done show? What I, do you want uh, here, Kevin? My, my, my issue, you cannot sell me on these being many little movies with deeper, deeper connections to the characters that we didn't really get deeper connections to, which I think you've done a medium, a mediocre job at, at that at best. But... And be like, oh, we're going to have a second season, so any of these storylines don't matter just yet. Just be patient. Fuck no. No, you can't do this shit. No, you sold me on you have to watch the Disney Plus show to inherently get to the next stage. Mm-hmm. That's the importance of it. That's the reason why when WandaVision came out, Falcon and Winter Soldier came out, Loki came out, we were all watching the screen like it was the fucking... <laughs> Like our life depended on it because we were curious to see where the story was going. And then you're like, oh, we're going to do the multiverse. And sure, in concept, it sounded like a good idea. Concept, it sounded like a great idea, actually. We were all for it until we weren't. And now we're not there. And honestly, I would say the downfall of the multiverse saga was the first movie that dealt with the multiverse saga. Ant-Man, the Wasp, Quantumania. No, Doctor Strange 2 and the multiverse of madness. Yeah, no, for me, that's just a weird little film in the middle. Ant-Man no, and the Wasp no, is was, really just... No, Ant-Man the Wasp Quantumania was not a bad movie. I've seen it since then, and I, I still don't mind it. I thought it was an like, okay movie. Not a great movie. Sure, sure, not the best movie in the world. Not going to make my top ten. Don't kill me in the comments. <laughs> but, just... Fucking, no, shit, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Back to Secret Invasion. So, um, I also enjoyed the final fight. Uh, between graphics, I enjoyed it because I liked seeing all the different elements of it. Uh, seeing Mail Clark kick ass, also pretty cool. And also, to be honest with you, this TV show cost $218 million. Where the fuck was that budget? Couldn't tell you. Oh, wait, I saw it and it was okay. <laughs> also, um, hmm. Biggest takeaway, two two takeaways from the end. Was not mad that it wasn't like Samuel, you know, going and fighting Gravix. I think that made a lot of sense. Also, if I was Gravix, I'd throw that fucking asshole out of the tube. Don't <laughs> attempt it. Be like, bitch. <laughs> I'm playing every specimen of fucking Avengers in me, and I'm just gonna leave him in here just on. You're dealing with fucking shapeshifters. Shapeshifters. And you've already shapeshifted into him like four times. You know you don't need his blood. You know you don't need his brain. You just need to see what it looks like. You're going to take the risk and you're not going <laughs> to. 
You've already shapeshifted into Nick Fury once in this season. <laughs> you deserve to die. That's my opinion. You deserve to die. So, another aspect that did not, you know, so that was like one thing, right? The other thing was the president. I like Dermot Maloney every once in a while. He's not my favorite actor in the world. For instance, he's my least a- favorite aspect of Scream 6 and things. He's just, he's game. He's always game for whatever he's doing, which I do mm-hmm. always like an actor that is just, I'm here to have fun and we're going to have a good time. I'm into that. So, like, that's part of the aspects of what I enjoy about him. But we all know that he is not president. Like, we all, anyway, who follows the MCU knows that the president is Thunderbolt Ross. Like, Harrison Ford signed on to be the president of the United States. That was part of the reason why he signed on to the damn movie to begin with. Why not just fucking kill him? Can, can, can we also say the MCU can't figure out its own presidents? <laughs> We're going to ignore that fact. But the important fact. Iron Man 3? Anybody? Iron Man 3? Anybody? Who is the president of Iron Man 3? No one remembers because they keep changing presidents. Well, no. Well, yeah. I mean, by that point, there had been an election, okay? Like... So who's also, this? here's the thing. Endgame did happen. Yeah. He had, like, like during the snap, was there a president? <laughs> Fuck you, Jacob. Tired, Jacob. Moving on. So, him, he should have died. He should have died. Moral of the story, he should not have been saved. There was no point to it. And then him being like, oh, let's all kill all the scrolls because they try to kill. What the fuck is wrong with you, dude? Mass murder? Seven people died that were not supposed to die. I liked the violence. I did like how gory like it, it got. It got intense. More, it got a lot more violent than most MCU projects, which I do enjoy. Now, that was fine. And I, I just like blood. For the MCU, Jacob, watching that happen on screen, that's a lot for children. Yeah, this was not a children's show. No, but some uh, children probably watched it. Okay, so I didn't like that. Also, I think I felt like the only way to show a scroll like that they're a scroll is to kill them. Why not just fucking shoot Rhodey right away? Like, you know, like, what was the point? Like, I mean, I get the beginning part. Yeah, you don't want to show your cards. But in the hospital, he's literally frightening you. I'm going to show everybody you killed, blah, 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 blah. Oh, fuck Maria Hill. But, you know, RIP. Sorry, Colby. I know it really hurt. I know because you did interviews, you talked about how badly it hurt. And I love that at the end of every episode, special guest star, Colby Smolders. <laughs> it's like just to really nail it in the coffin. <laughs> She's like, you better put me in every recap so I can at least get a little bit of sense for that. By little, I mean the sack strike. She's probably going to pay three cents for every little scene. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that one in there. But my, like, oh, you get that threw my brain off. Where was I at? Oh, yeah, so they should have just shot fucking Rhodey in the head in the hospital. What? Mm-hmm. What's the worst that they're going to do? What are they going to do, Samuel? You're fucking Nick Fury. You're, you're, you're plot armored. They're not going to shoot you, okay? <laughs> That's awesome. I've never heard it that way before. You're Iron Man. You're plot armored. Literally. They can't do it. <laughs> they just, they, they're not going to shoot you. I had no, I had, the whole episode, they're like, oh, they're going to kill Samuel. No, they're not going to fucking kill Nick Fury. It's fucking secret. This is his show. And also, we see him in the Marvels. He survived. Yeah, yeah. Mm, bad timing. Just saying. Um, you know, time that out a little better. And also, no end credit scene. No, no. end credit scene. 
what the? This is not the show to do that with. I'm just saying. Even like it was just like a scene from the Marvels, like getting us excited for the next MCU project. Because I don't know, like, didn't I think Ms. Marvel it came do along that same thing too. Well, Miss Marvel, yeah, yeah, it was a direct clip. And you know what? It worked. It fucking worked. And it brought a powerhouse, an actress that they couldn't afford, but you had 212 million. You couldn't call Brie Larson. Like, that's also another thing. You're this show with... needed Carol. <laughs> this show needed Carol. Like, For the needed... first time in the MCU's history, an MCU project actually needed Carol Danvers. And the one time you needed her, she didn't show up. <laughs> Does he even call her? Were you like, do you want to even try to be Damn here? Damn it, the pager's not fucking working. Because, like, and, you know, I understand. No, Serial Invasion should not have been a Disney Plus show. No. Okay, and then before I give it over to Zachary, because I guess my review was more negative than I thought, but that's okay. <laughs> I had a lot more anger. Sleepy Jacob had more anger than non-Sleepy Jacob. Very sorry about that. I'm more enthusiastic, I guess, today. But I want to very quickly talk about Mila Clark. Just because Amelia Clark is one of my favorite actresses of all time, and I feel like I should address the outfit in the room, and that is Amelia Clark. Her acting was not horrible. They just took every single bit of Amelia Clark's personality, and they're like, ha-ha, no. <laughs> and, like, my opinion, if you're going to hire Amelia Clark, why not allow her to, Amelia I don't know, Clark. Amelia Clark it? <laughs> You bring her on as the daughter of Ben Mendelsohn and you do not allow them to have an emotional, impactful conversation once in this show well, or let her or, or no, 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 no. I'll get to my point or let her have that emotional moment with her father and said you let Ben Mendelsohn take all that acting there when in reality it could have been a back and forth. And so when he dies and she finds out, I'm not as sad. Also, like, oh, how do you, okay, another thing, okay, very important. How do you set up in Captain Marvel, okay, that she sees one of her own die by a human mm-hmm. and not make her the villain? It makes sense. And, why would you hire Amelia? I mean, I get it. She has this, like, role, and you end up making her, like, the badass of the end or whatever. But how do you just make her, like, a side piece? Like, they're not even, like, if I was if I was a scroll and she came up to me and she's like, I'm going to be your leader. I would look at her and laugh in her face and be like, what did you do? You sat there. You did nothing. You fucking did nothing. She did nothing. The whole time. And she didn't agree with graphics, and she's like, I was working the other side. Yeah, all of them died. Yeah, but here's the thing. She's like, I don't agree with Graphic. I don't like what he's doing. Goes talk to her dad. I don't agree with my dad. I don't like what he's doing. I'm just going to sit in the middle and pout about it. And it just, and, and, and that is why the final fight of this show does not work for me. She did no. not earn it. No, no, I definitely don't agree she earned it, but I, I enjoyed it. I didn't enjoy it because there was no earning to it. it, it she, didn't, she didn't earn the fact to kill Graphic. Also, if you're cutting off fingers, you're showing blood, you could cut off his fucking head. I think we all can agree as an audience member, whoever watched fucking Secret Invasion, that the only way you could kill off fucking graphics is to cut off his fucking head. Like, he is a super scroll, not like a tiny super scroll. Super scrolls in the comics, if you guys did not know, only had four powers. That was a fantastic four. Obviously, they can't do that because those people... They found a way to do it a little bit in this show. Instead, you decided to give them... Like, 138 superpowers. 
bitch. Which why? takes away from what the Super Scroll is. No, it just takes away the fun. Because, like, if you... Like, for instance, Amelia Cart's character can never be used again. Because oh. she would win every single Three fight. Five. Well, I mean, I guess if you do a photon blast to her chest, I guess she's dead, even though that makes no sense since they stabbed her with a fucking icicle in her chest, the same exact spot, and yet she lived. But, you know, continuity, not important, especially in, like, four minutes of time. It's so sad for me to say this, but now we're at the point with the Disney MCU stuff to go like this, but, like, 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 like with the Fox stuff. Continuity, schmontinuity at this point. Yeah. I don't know if I'm... (sighs) Starting Thursday... You have to use a key to get into the building. Yeah, that's it. It's gonna take over for a second. Just that they're talking. It's not, you know, our our business or things. But with that being said, you know, I just, I, I just, I really fucking hate it. You know, and I mean, I, I liked a lot of it. I like parts of it. But oh, 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 idiot's back. Okay, here we go. We we brought him back in. Um, he's here. I did, you know, that's like a personal conversation. I was about trying to respect your privacy. Uh, but Zachary, I, mm-hmm. I talked for a while. Um, I think my opinion, I think overall, okay, let's do a few things at the end. One, I want to know roughly your rating overall uh-huh. for the overall season, not episode by episode, uh-huh. and your overall ranking in the Disney Plus shows where you would put Secret Invasion. When you get done with your whole spiel, like whatever the review you're going to give, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, me, personally, okay, I think my overall rating would be like a 6.25. I enjoy aspects of this. And don't even get me started with the fact that they made a lot of the trolls black and they decided to do nothing with that whatsoever when there could be such a good, grounded conversation that could be had with that, especially with Samuel Jack. I mean, there's so many different things they could have done and they decided... But that never mind. You know what I mean? It's kind of bullshit. Uh, and then ranking wise, it's definitely down there because I didn't like Loki. You know, Loki's pretty far down on my list. I would say it's down there with like Moon Knight and Loki. Um, I know it's a lot of people that sacrificial Loki. Whatever. Um, hold on. Let me take a quickie looky at the... What the? No, Jesus. This is not what I wanted. Here, uh, here, here's the list for you if you can't find it. It is uh, WandaVision, The Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, What If? And now this. You read those... Really fast. Sorry. WandaVision, The Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, Hawkeye, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, and now uh, Secret Invasion. And, and what, what if? if? So I would say personally, for my opinion, I mean, if you've been following the channel for a while, you kind of know which ones are my favorites, which ones are not my favorites. Um, I would put it down there with Moon Knight, because I didn't really buy with Moon Knight the entire time. Um that was one of those endings I did enjoy. I felt like it did a pretty good job with the, the last episode. Well, I mean, I didn't like the end end, but I felt like it did okay. I like not important. Um, Moon Knight, Loki, what if? Like, it's in the very bottom. Secret Invasion. It doesn't hold up. Where I was hoping that this would be a new, like, WandaVision Hawkeye for me, where it would be, like, a constant, like, rewatch. 
um, Hawkeye watch every Christmas, you know. I'm, I'm very, very excited. We're getting closer to Christmas, which means we're getting closer. You lame pullover time eating <laughs> mac and cheese with with hot sauce, frightening people. I'm so excited. We I actually would. eat. We actually eat mac and cheese with hot sauce when you watch the show. Probably not. I sure do. Oh, you you gotta respect. You eat hot sauce. You know what? This is not the conversation, Zach. We're having <laughs> fucking thoughts on Secret Invasion. Sorry for cursing. No, I'm not. I am losing my filter completely. Um, this is how I feel about Secret Invasion. This show was terrible. I did not like anything about it. There was nothing redeeming. Nothing. This is the one true Marvel thing that I cannot find a redeeming quality about. Not one. I don't think they handled the story right. I don't think they handled the message they were trying to convey correctly. I think this was just a great way of Samuel Jackson to get a really good paycheck and do a show. And to me, it's bullshit. They killed off one of the great female characters of the MCU for no reason, just cause they, cause they, cause they're like, Hey, it adds shock value. They, um, diminished one of my favorite side characters in Talos and his death meant nothing. To me, it didn't have an impact. It didn't leave anything. The roadie thing could have been more impactful to find out that he's been a scrawl for this long, which means that in theory, he was not there for Tony's death at Endgame. And they didn't address that to say that it's just to up to our interpretation of where he was at. I think it's bullshit. They don't know where he was at. And so Marvel is nowhere to tell the, to tell us to put him at. Um, this is just drawing to my conclusion that Marvel has lost their way. They do not know what to do right now. They have not found their fit. They can put out decent one-shot stories involving legacy characters, but overall continuity-wise, they have lost their way. And this show was the definition of that in a nutshell. Uh, my review will be short and sweet to that point. Uh, this ranks below what if for me. This is the worst one they've put out. I can still find appreciation in most what if episodes. I can't find anything in this. The wife is the closest thing I will give this show, um, but she's barely in it. And when she's in it, she does steal the majority of her scenes. Um, they were teasing Amelia Clark as this big mystery character prior to the show's release. And like Jacob said, they gave nothing to her. She sat around and pouted for the majority of the show. And then randomly they gave her superpowers and she put a pole through this guy's chest. That was her arc in the show. Olivia Coleman, I disagree with you 110%. I think she was an outlook in this show. She did not fit this show at all. Her character did had her character didn't fit the show. Her character felt like a very out of place character, and so she didn't work for me at all the majority of the time. Um, how she randomly showed up in the hospital, sure that happened. Um, the president thing. I could give two shits about it. Nothing in this show means anything. They're not going to address the secret invasion. They're not going to address the progression for the scrolls and the Marvels. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to mention it. My biggest issue is your biggest issue. There is no continuity between the Disney plus shows and the Marvel movies. There's none. They try to aware. once again, we have not seen the Marvels. Right. And so we could be pleasantly surprised. surprised. I hope I am. I hope I am. But I just have a strong feeling that we will not we, be. Yeah, because a lot like with Doctor Strange and WandaVision, there was no talking between the uh, the writers of the one movie or the other. And that's why she was upset that she had to do the same arc again. 
And so, yeah, I like. I think. Sorry, you let me talk. I'll let you talk. I just. That's why I'm so excited for Loki, in that Loki is a season two to a season one that I absolutely adore, and that I'm invested in its characters. I know where we're going with that. I know the concept and the ideas of it, and it has an idea of where it wants to go. Secret Invasion from episode one to episode six had no idea where it wanted to go. Every week it got shorter and shorter and quicker and quicker. So by the time we got to the finale, everything everything just... And it's super annoying. It's super annoying. This gets a four for me out of 10. This is the weakest thing Marvel's put out in, a, in, the, in about a decade. I put this... I put Eternals over this. That's no, how no, much shows, I... Shows. shows. Uh, I'll watch She-Hulk again. For sure. You didn't, you didn't even finish She-Hulk. But I, that, that, that tells you something. I'll go back and finish She-Hulk before I start doing this again. Um, I'll go back and watch Hawkeye again. Jacob knows Hawkeye was not my favorite thing uh, that year. I enjoy moments of Hawkeye. But, but here's the difference. I enjoy moments in Hawkeye. The stuff with Yelena. The stuff with Clint and his family. The stuff that that really, really worked. You just need and, to move on. I'm going to start crying. Um, it hurt my but, heart. But yeah, no. This is the worst Disney Plus Disney Plus show they've put out. I like this better than I, I like Book of Boba Fett better than this. <laughs> no. Yeah. no, 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 no. This yeah. is ten times spades better than Book no, of Boba. No. I, I would rather at least, my at, least, at least Book of Boba Fett it. had a connecting story that made sense by the end. No, no, no. Listen to me. I'd rather cut out my eyeballs with a very dull blade with all the diseases in the world on it before I watch Book of Boba Fett again. I enjoyed Mando season three more than Secret Invasion. Hey, I thought Mando season three was fucking phenomenal. I, I don't know what everybody else thought. The about. first half of Mando season three is fantastic. The second half of Mando season three has no idea what it was to do. Well, here's the thing: we still have yet to finish it, but I've heard nothing but good things. So I'm just, I'm just assuming we're just going to be on a trail of happiness. So that's that's where I'm at. But yeah, that's how that, that, um, that's secret information. I had one more thing to add. Uh, two things to add: one bad, one good. The mm-hmm. good thing is that. Out of all the Marvel shows that come out so far, outside of like WandaVision and things like that, I do have to say they knew how to end an episode. They did. Um, I think uh, they had a really good cliffhangers, really good talking points at every episode. Some at the extent of the episode, some not at the extent of the episode. But I do think it made the TV show watchable and made people feel like they needed to watch it, which is good. And I think that should be a note to take for almost every Disney Plus show going forward. End with your cliffhangers. You know, you want to make sure people keep coming back. The best way to keep people coming back, if you end in a way that makes them want to watch more, make them remember that they need, that this is coming back. This is a, you know, so I think Secret Invasion at least had that going for it. Because I do think anybody that did watch it, very small viewership, anybody who did decide to watch it week to week was rewarded because they did get a cliffhanger every week, which made them want to come back. The other thing I have an issue with this show, we will talk about in the second podcast. We will? Yes. It involves the intro to the show. Oh. 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 Yeah. <laughs> no, that's fair. Um, and then the negative being here, um, are they going to address that he gave Carol's blood to a scroll? 
So, like, I, I really hope that at least this is a conversation. Make it, make it a scene. Do a reshoot. A real fat. Oh shit! Yeah. Mm-mm. Never mind, Marvel. You fucked up. Push it. Push it. <laughs> Push it real good. <laughs> okay, moving on. Zachary, uh, this is all you. Yep. Go ahead. So this was released during the month of July, so I can talk about it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Masters of the Universe movie dead at Netflix after at least $30 million of of in development, Mattel is shopping for a new buyer. So this movie has been in the works at Netflix for the past three years now. Uh, It had, uh, oh, I forget. Uh, The, uh, like previously announced, lead Kyle Allen, which I don't know if you know who Kyle Allen is. No fucking clue. Random guy who was supposed to be Prince Adam and He-Man. He got the role. And then uh, the directing duo of, oh, that's why I was reminding of this. The directing duo of The Lost City was supposed to do this movie for Netflix. They were supposed to do this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, The last headache for He-Man and Friends only fewer complicates the property's torturous journey to the screen. This has been going on since 2007. They're trying to get this movie on the big screen. The last time he was on screen was in 1987 with the Masters Universe movie with Dolph Lundgren. That was the last time they were there. And it has been from Warner Brothers to Netflix, and now Netflix is dead. So now Mattel, part of their cinematic universe's ideas, is now shopping the idea of the Masters of the Universe movie to other companies. It is dead at Netflix. I think the thing that shocks me the most about this is that they already put $30 million into the movie. So I'm like, if you're already there and committed, you know, just push through. It's really not been working. Really, it was not. Um, they were having multiple issues on set. Um, originally, John M. Chu and Mick G were in the uh, were in the looks for the directing. I'm so glad Mick G did not get this movie. Oh, I'm so happy Mick G did not get Mick this movie. Mick G movies are okay. Some yes, but it makes I don't me nervous. Think Man would be like a good fit. No, John M. Chu again? No, not really. Uh, yeah, and so and I like the idea of the Lost City directors doing it now, but they have. Uh, the, the, the 20 million, not the 20 million, 10 million of the 30 million was for Kyle Allen. So now he's stuck with the project uh, unless they find a way to maneuver his deal or whatever. It's it's a mess. Uh, it's been like this since 2007. Masters of the Universe is a great IP for Mattel. It is thriving night right now with them back on the toy shelves with Origins with, Netflix, with Kevin Smith's Netflix series. They're thriving. They're there, and they want to work with it. They need to figure this movie thing out, because I think it'd be a great idea for them. What do you think of Masters Universe, Jacob? Do you think it'd be, make a good movie, or do you think we're too little too late? I would agree with that. I think we're a little too little too late. I, I you know, I can understand where they were coming from, um, where they would would be like, this is a good time. But I, I also, I would have to say that Master Universe on Netflix is not so much a good idea because I would say the Kevin Smith one really ended up hurting a lot of people's respect for what Netflix was doing. And then the show that you like that um, a lot of people just wrote off as being too kid-like. It's so they, well, I know, so but, they, but they didn't even get a try. And so even if it is good, no one really knew. And everybody only watched the Kevin Smith one. And they kept renewing that. <laughs> so We get revolution next year. Yeah, that's what I mean. So like, I just don't. I don't. I don't think it was a smart choice. I think if you're gonna do it, once again, it was on the list for Mattel. They are shopping it around. Mm-hmm. Um, that was what I read, by the way. 
um, in the article that I was reading for Mattel. So it is not dead. You know, it's not going anywhere. It's just it's just back on its shelf that it was originally at. And I also don't think Masters of the Universe, in my opinion, would work really well as a movie. See, like a live action movie. Here's where I think it could, depending on the, the company that does it. It's like, think Star Wars meets Lord of the Rings. And that's what Master Universe could be. It's a space epic fantasy with shoes and sandals and swords. I think if you find that right target and balance, I think it could work really, really well. It just solely depends on who has got the concept and the idea down. Because you have to think about it. It's Eternia with Prince Adam. You got to think about Keldor, Orko, Battlecat, Panthor, you know, all these characters. And you have to make the audience believe these characters. You're asking them to believe about a guy who can glow in the dark and he's a skeleton. That's a lot to believe in. Uh, you're trying to believe about a guy riding a giant green and yellow cat, wearing armor, holding a sword, saying, I have the power. Like, there's a lot to believe if you need, if you believe it. I will also say, I looked up Kyle Allen. I was like, that name sounds really familiar. I want to know if I'd known him from anything. I've seen actually quite a bit of his um, his back work in things. He's not a bad actor or anything. I just don't think he has the right chops um, no. to bring in a bigger audience and things. He is very attractive, which is a very big part of He-Man. But also, I think that's also another thing that I think would be really hard to do as like a movie for He-Man, only because if you guys don't know what He-Man is, he says the magical words, and then he turns all buff and hot. And from his like little twink era, he turns into a twonk. If you're gay, you understand that myth, you know, that lingo or whatever. And I just don't think you can personally do that like in a live action film without like like changing actors. Mm-hmm. That's totally reasonable. And I I I personally I wouldn't want to see it if it if they were changing actors. But that's how you would have to do it. Yeah, I, you can't so, have you can't have are, buff Prince Adam and the buff He Man. That'd be weird. Well, we are uh, we're just not there yet, then I guess. That's my opinion on. Also, like Skeletor would definitely not work in live action. I mean, that's just a fucking moral of the story. I'm sorry, it just wouldn't work. Red so Red Skull worked for you, but Skeletor won't. Red Skull did not work for me. No, Red Skull did not work for me. Not mm-hmm. a single aspect of Red Skull worked for me. I mean, Red Skull being Dormir, yeah, that kind of worked for me. I thought it was kind of funny, little cute, like, oh, you're the protector, you know, yeah, fuck you. But you know, that was kind of cute. But that that was about it. That that, that was like the, the lowest of the low. Like Red Scroll and actual Captain America. There's a mm-hmm. reason why Captain America First Avengers so low on a lot of people's list. And that's why it's uh, almost at the, it's in my top five. See, there's three different people in the world. <laughs> Me, me, and you. <laughs> so, Jacob, what's the end of this podcast entailing? We have two more stories, and we're going to, well, we'll see how well the one goes. But we're definitely going to fly through the third this one. We did not plan this out well enough. Look at the <laughs> other stories for the next podcast, and that one's going to be like an hour and a half. Good for me, but like, ugh. Okay, so. John 3 casting. Zachary has only heard about Jared Leto, who mm-hmm. is supposedly the lead in this. Tron Ares, as it's yeah. called. And he is called Ares. That is, the, that is the character he's playing. I personally think that's a horrible-ass idea, in my opinion. 
um, I would I would try to get him out of that contract as fast as possible. I would I would evict him from my movie. That's I, 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 I think this whole movie as a whole was a bad idea. No, yeah, I get it, but I'm trying to give it the best shot it can get. Jared Listen, Leto is not it. You and I both enjoy Tron Legacy, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Um, you would be wrong, but that's fine. I enjoy Tron Legacy. I think it's a fun little movie. I, th- I enjoy the original Tron, but there is no audience for Tron. No one cares about Tron. So why are you Tron-ing again? Well, I'll, I'll explain the cast here for a second. I was curious about the director. So the director is Joachim Ronin. I think is how you pronounce his name. He's like Russian or something on those lines. Um, he's worked with Disney quite a bit, which is the reason why he got Tron. So he did Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man Tell No Tales. Great, looking great there. And then he he did one of my personal. Oh, just I just adore this movie. It's just so good, and not fucking terrifying and disturbing as shit. Not at all. And that is Wolfson 2, The Mistress of Evil. Um, hmm, what's the best way I can say about this? If you've never seen Wolfson 2, go ahead, take out your headphones, mute me for two seconds. I will never ever forget being in the theater, and yes, I am going to spoil it, and watching fairies. No, 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 you need to hear this shit, because it's shocking. Suicide bomb themselves. I wish I was joking. And he signed off on that. He directed that. And it was violent. <laughs> Not a kid's movie. Either way, Tron 3. <laughs> so, uh, actually, I'm... See, here's the thing. I think Jared Leto is a horrible casting. But I actually like how the rest of the cast is kind of, like, forming and stuff. So, we have our favorite Cameron Mongham. Um, This is what he got off of Jedi Survivor. Um, is my best guess. Because that's, like, his biggest... He was like... Finally, I'm in the fantasy space where I get to use a lightsaber. They cast New York, they have a disc. Oh, okay. Evan Peters. Um, off of Dahmer's success. Greta Lee, who is off of um, it's a brand new movie that's coming out. I think it's officially out to rent, but it's called Past Lives. Um, she's normally a comedian and she's done a lot of comedian stuff, but Past Lives is getting a lot of attention. Um, so I'm assuming that's probably where you know she came from. Sarah Justin came from Yellow Jackets and a few other things, but mostly Yellow Jackets. And Jodie Turner-Smith is, I'm pretty sure Jodie Turner-Smith was in, I don't want to say it wrong. No, was not in what I was thinking of. Well, she's from like Queen and Slim, Without Remorse, um, Murder Mystery 2. If you, I, didn't, I didn't watch that one, but if you did, you know, she was on that. And thanks. Uh Overall, it's a it's a much better cast than oh she'll be in the acolyte. That's also what she'll be in. So all people who pretty much have worked with are around Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, unshockingly, Disney doesn't you know stay true to the people you know. But overall, I felt like the cast was better. But I feel bad for everybody in this movie because it's going to be a box office bomb. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to like oh god it's going to be a box office bomb, but like um. You know, if we just do a little bit of research here, just just a little bit of research. So Tron Legacy came out in probably like 2011, 2012, right? 2010. Is that your guess? I guess 2010 or 2009. Well, um, which one? I need I need a solid answer. 2009. You should have went your gut. 2010 would be the answer. Oh. Mm-hmm. So it was the budget of 170 million dollars. That's not that shocking. If you've seen the movie, it does make a lot of sense. They did spend a lot of it on screen. 
for a horrible, horrible ass script. But they, they sure we tried. It opened with a forty-four million back in two thousand and ten, uh, with only raising one hundred and seventy-two million domestic, international two twenty-eight, with a grand total of four hundred. And they decide thirteen years later, which tried again. I think certain things should just be left dead. Mm-hmm. There's a great cartoon for Tron on Disney Plus that you guys should go watch. But Elijah was the main lead. Very, very good show. And a mid video game. Yeah, and a great video game. Oh, I said mid, but you know, great cartoon. The original Tron game is a lot of fun. Tron oh, Evolution. That's what I'm talking about. Not it's a crap game. <laughs> Okay, Zachary, are you excited? Yes, let's do this. Ooh. All right, we are going to talk about Deadpool 3. Baby. On... Huh? You said no, Deadpool. Just Deadpool 3. I, I will say this much before we get into this and things. There are slight spoilers and some set photos. So if you don't want to know anything about Deadpool 3 whatsoever... Go ahead. Thank you for showing up, being a part of this podcast. And uh, I'm waving to the audio listeners. He fucking is. Um, <laughs> and we will see you soon with another one soon. Um, but with that being said, with Geek. Just why Jacob, 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 Jacob. Put them on the screen. Put them on the ha. <sighs> so we'll, we'll go here once again. <sighs> it's more like the things around, you know around it that's more of like a spoilers and things if you don't want to know anything that's really but uh so obviously you know deadpool looks like deadpool you know true fashion ryan reynolds got that suit looking great i think we all can talk about the yellow man in the room um you know just seeing oh some, action poses. some more action poses since i'm just like Let's just fucking do it, you know? If we're here, we might as well just just do it. Claws. I'm tearing up. The 20th century logo fox. <laughs> I'm tearing up, man. Good be acting. I never thought in my lifetime, in my lifetime, I would ever see Hugh Jackman wear the traditional blue and yellow costume. And not only that, but make it fucking look good. <laughs> he looks perfect. He just looks... I don't know how else, to, how else to say it, man. He looks perfect. I love the lighter red on Deadpool. I think he looks fantastic. I love the fact that the eyes are a little bit smaller. I just... But Hugh, man, there's a reason why he is the longest-running superhero actor in Hollywood, and he deserves all the flowers he's gonna get. Also, Deadpool kills the 20th Century Fox universe. Let's fucking go! I've been saying it since day one. That's the movie. That's the movie. That's the movie. And I'm so happy that I'm correct. And I, I will have to say this much, because we are talking about multiverses movies and things, and this is definitely a multiverse movie. Oh, for sure. Uh, I think this will be the first multiverse movie to, to cross a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I, I, I'm going to put that with an asterisk, though, because depending on how violent it is, I do think that repeat viewing could maybe go askew a little bit in things um, just because of certain, like, you know, certain people or whatever. I think it's going to be a baffle business opening weekend, though. Um, and I would say they should do it like Spider-Man No Way Home. And try not and, to reveal much. And try, even if people, because like I said, the whole movie is basically leaked online in case you won. You know, you're one of those people and you're like, I want to know. And you can basically find out just about everything that they're going to try to do in this movie. Um, it's another multiverse movie directed, uh, came out, started making around a horrible time. Uh, we're going through, you know, the strike at the moment. But also, like, even outside of the strike, there's new strands of possibly COVID going around. Like, I, I bet you anything. Anybody working on Deadpool 3 right now is like, please, just make the fuck up. Let's just move along already. I need to get back to filming. <laughs> That's probably how they feel because there's a lot of cameos in this movie. And a lot of them have not filmed yet. And if things do not go their way, a lot of them could be cut. Which means we have another like Spider-Man No Way Home situation, Doctor Strange 2 situation, where we're more disappointed than like, oh, I mean, not so much Spider-Man No Way Home, but knowing the different things that they were going to do with that movie because of restrictions that they couldn't, I think it's the disappointing aspect of Spider-Man No Way Home. And Deadpool 3 was the perfect movie to do everything we've wanted so far in a multiverse movie. And I want them to be able to accomplish that. I want the vision to be fully realized. Yes. He's, he's, he's got the things on the knuckles. He's got the things on the knuckles. I know. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna come out the knuckle holes. They're going to come out the knuckle holes. It's going to be. I'm very happy for you. I can't. I mean, to me personally, I think it looks tacky as fuck. But I have to respect. I have a lot of respect for it. I have a lot of respect for the whole whole damn thing. Um, it has, ta has taken them. 17 years to get this man this suit. <laughs> I also say I do think that's going to look pretty freaking cool in live mm -hmm. action. Because, like, these are not lighted. You know, these are just, like, you know, photos. This is the photo they directly released, you know, to the public and stuff on Instagram. But, like, ultimately that was because they were going to be filming a fight scene outside. Um, I love that Ryan knows, like, get ahead of the curb. <laughs> Well, like I said, if we did not go on strike and they continue to film the movie and things, we would have been learning a lot about this movie. And I don't really know how I feel about that. Like, a part of me, a lot of Spider-Man was filmed on sound stages and stuff. I don't know if you knew that or not. Like, Spider-Man No Way Home was a lot. A lot of that movie was filmed on sound stages, which is why they got away with keeping so many, like, secrets and why this the one secrets like, got leaked. Shoot it in the quarry! <laughs> yeah, this one, they're like, you know... Fuck that. Let's just do it outside, whatever. Let's just do it. And, like, that's great and all, but, like, even though, like, we're gonna know, like, if you really want to know or whatever who's in the movie because it's gonna be shot outside or whatever, I just don't know if I'd release it to the public. I don't know if I'd release it in the trades. But then again, the trades are already gonna talk about it, so it's, like, it's such a hard... It's a hard line to walk, mm -hmm. because part of the reason why No Way Home works so much is because everybody knew they were in the movie, but everybody was everybody's like, we ain't in this movie. I mean, Andrew Garfield. They needed Andrew Garfield. <laughs> Andrew Andrew Garfield should have got an Oscar for his role as Andrew Garfield denying Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> he denied it so hard. Like he was like, I'm not in them. Here's my here, here's here's my thing. 
there are certain people from certain films in the Fox universe don't tell anything to because they <laughs> will blabber their mouth. I'm not saying names, but Barry Haley and Marsden James and, you know, them people don't tell them anything. <laughs> don't let Tom Holland on your set. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, no, but then again, here's my thing. Like, they're going to try to keep it a secret that Doc Ock was in the movie. Two bands after we got hired. Like, did you hear him in the new Spider-Man movie? <laughs> I don't even think he walked on the set yet to get outfitted. Did you know I was in the new Spider-Man movie? <laughs> to a random stranger on the street. It's just like, you know, Tom Holland holding up the poster to Avengers Endgame, announcing the ty- final title. <laughs> Do not show to... <laughs> to <Such> oh, fuck. <laughs> All right, with that being said, this is a bit too long. Zachary, I'm very excited. I know you're very excited. Any last minute thoughts before we wrap this up? Just seeing them together after almost 20 years of watching Hugh Jackman play this role and a little over almost a decade now of watching Ryan play Wade. Yeah, think about that for a second, Jacob. No, I don't want to. It's, okay. <laughs> um, it's really cool to see the two of them together in costume filming a movie together. And again, Deadpool kills the 20th century Fox universe. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. I figured it out. Da, da, da. That's all. We'll leave on that note. As always, guys, thank you guys. Oh, for- oh, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> oh, shit, no, wrong one. Okay, go. As always, guys, thank you guys very much for watching. Like, rate, subscribe. As we've said numerous times throughout this episode, we're everywhere. Go to Spotify, Apple iTunes, where we can find podcasts. Listen to us, rate, think, talk about whatever we want to talk about today in the episode. What was your favorite story? Let us know in the comment section down below. Ring-a-ling, that ding-a-ling button. Let us, know, let us know that you're here, there, and it gets them every time. And we will see y'all in the next one. Goodbye, y'all. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs>